Welcome to Talking Jets. My name's Ryan, and I'll be your pilot tonight. I am joined alongside my co-pilots. I've got Matt to my this way. I've got Green Bean to my that way, and I've got Joe right down here. Joe, how you doing tonight? I am just very excited to be talking about a September win for the first time since 2018. That that is it. I'm I'm ecstatic to be talking about Jets actually playing meaningful football. I love it. Guys, if you don't know, Joe blew it from Jets X Factor. His link is in the description down below. Sub up their YouTube channel. I also have his Twitter link down below if you want to get some good insight on some games and whatnot. Green Bean, how you doing tonight? Me? I'm awesome. I, I mean, Joe just said it, dude. We have a September victory. I don't even know what to do with myself. You know, I want to yell at people like uh, Brady Quinn. Ah, shut up. You're wrong. I want to do all this stuff, but I'm real scared that we're going to go one and nine and one and eight now. So I'm just taking it day by day, but I'm in a good ass mood. Matt, how you feeling on a victory Tuesday? Good. I mean, it still feels like that victory juice is still there. Like, I know it's supposed to just be that one day, but I'm still riding that high. And uh, I'm with Greenbean. I kind of want to rub it in the faces of the haters. Oh, this is great, right? Like Brady Quinn coming out saying Jets are going to go 0-9. That dude could go kick rocks, pound sand, or Matt would say, take a long walk off a short pier. Boys and girls, if you're just tuning in, make sure you hit that like button. If you want to get qualified for our t-shirt giveaway, all you got to do is leave a comment on this video down below if you're watching after the fact. Uh, or retweet the stream if you're uh, watching right now. You can find it on Jets Talk 247 on Twitter. Uh, get yourself a shirt at the end of this stream all right so before we go uh into the super chats i want to go around and get our panel's thoughts on the jets 31 to 30 win over the cleveland browns oh man i'll start i was blown the hell away <laughs> i'm sitting there i'm like editing my stuff and i'm like watching i was like man like they just went up friggin' 30 points on us yeah this sucks like this is this is where we're going on this then like it what feels like two minutes later not even Corey Davis is running wide open in the end zone. And I'm like, well, now it just looks a little bit better. The fluff points are there. That's fine. Whatever. We're not going to get the onside kick. Not going to happen. We get the friggin' onside kick. <laughs> and then my mindset changes entirely. And I'm like, we're not losing this game. boys. This is it. We're not like, oh, man, dude. There, the amount of things that needed to happen. For everything to go right, Chubb needed to go into the end zone rather than falling down on the one or two yard line to run out the clock. They had to miss the extra point. They had to give up the quick touchdown. They had to miss the, <laughs> the Jets had to get the onside kick. They had to go down and score a touchdown with no timeouts. They had to get the extra point, which is not always a given as we saw with the uh, the Browns kicker. Uh, and then they had to stop the impending kickoff and possible uh, field goal attempt that would have won the Browns the game. And literally all of it happened. 99.9% .9 chance that the Browns are going to win with a minute 55 left and they can suck it. <laughs> Joe, how you feeling about the win? I felt like we had a 0.1% chance of winning that game. Um, as we, as we, as we saw, uh, I was considering leaving my buddy's house. I was like, you know what? There's still a chance. And I couldn't watch it on my phone. Uh, obviously the, the play to Corey Davis happens and then I'm still, okay, <laughs> nice play. Kind of, we, we covered the spread and I, I picked the jets plus six and a half. So I was, I was happy, you know, it, I, my parlay hit. 
Um, and then obviously the the onside happens. And from that point, it felt like we, were, like we were going to win. But then Joe Flacco misses Elijah Moore on first and 10. He almost gets sacked on second and 10. Like, oh, my God, it's it's third and 10. We are screwed. And then even after the touchdown, I'm still thinking that we're going to miss the, the extra point because I'm a Jets fan. I've been a Jets fan for a little bit now, so I'm expecting the worst. Um, and then even another Jacoby Brissett uh, scrambled like, they were close. They were too close for comfort. So I was still really nervous. But uh, to walk away with that win in September and actually be one and one and talking about situations where we can go through these first four games where maybe we're two and one, three and one, four and one. Like it's it's really exciting to see the Jets legitimately competing um, and not being a laughing stock uh, as we were in week one. So Green Bean, walk us through how you were feeling at the end of the well, Browns game. Well, can I just say, you know, we were talking at halftime, uh, you know, a, a few of us and Matt, you and Jeremy. And I want to give you credit, Ryan. Ryan said, I'm envisioning a 31-28 game. And I said, oh, wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be so much fun? We never get that. And you predict, I mean, look, 31-30. Close. Like, that's the same thing in my book, man. Exactly. <laughs> so good for you, Ryan. Ryan called it, everybody. If you were watching, you got to see it. If not, I'm telling you, Ryan's got the visual, you know, the crystal ball action going on. I thought it was awesome. Let me tell you something. I was so um, uh, already in mourning that when the Corey Davis thing happened, I went, yay. Like, I was just like, you know, I thought it was like the the touchdown in the Ravens game. I was like, yeah, ooh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I didn't think anything was possible. And then it was like, holy shit, this is real. You know, and then obviously the onside kick. And and you could um, you can see it, man. You know, how many times have we been – you know, watching it, you know, our team and just had those implosions one way or the other, maybe not exactly the same. Uh, did you guys know that 200 and our 2,269 straight games, the team leading by 13 or more with two minutes left has won the game. The last time that that happened, that, that, uh, that it was in two th was, uh, what is it? 2001. I think it was, was it, and it was the Cleveland Browns. Oh, it. no way. That gave it up. Yeah. Same fucking yeah. team. So I don't want to hear it, Cleveland. This is what you do. This is what you do. Oh, yeah. I love it, man. I look Garrett Wilson, bro. I know we're going to get into it, but so much exciting stuff. We got our rookies involved. Uh, all the, all the, you know, the guys who took lumps last week, Braden Mann, Ashton Davis, whoever it was, uh, they all played their roles. And it's nice to see, man. My hope is that there's a steady increase uh, of gelling, you know, the Max Mitchells of the world, you know, seeing these guys just slowly get better as a team. And maybe we can stop being so nervous that Salah's a, a blowhard instead of a head coach. And maybe we got something here. But I, dude, I mean, it couldn't feel better. Matt, uh, did you go to the store and did you happen to keep any receipts? How'd you feel <laughs> after the win? <laughs> Yeah, what a I mean, just what an exhilarating final two minutes. I was with Greenbean. I made a I made a joke on Twitter. I was like, oh yay, garbage time touchdowns with Corey Davis's you know, because like it was it felt exactly like the week before where you know they get their touchdown in the final minute and you know it looks a little closer than it really was, but then they hit an onside kick and look, I mean, two guys that usually I kill, Braden Mann and Ashton Davis coming up pretty big in the final two minutes there. So gotta give them some credit too. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of different role players who came up and made big plays in this game to uh, get the Jets to that point. And one and one going home to play the struggling Bengals feels a lot better than zero and two. Load in, uh, loading 
Man X, one, two, three, four. Thank you for the super chat. He says, looking forward to two and one. I'm going, are you? He's talking about the, the Bengal game coming up. For those of you that might be attending that. Uh, RJ McPot says, don't Salah look like Popeye a little. LOL. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's bald, maybe? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, silly shit. That's that's about Stella it. Salah looks like every bald guy, just like I look like every guy who has ever had red hair. It's he looks like, like Vin Diesel a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He exactly. does look Vin like Vin Diesel yeah. a little bit. I would, yeah, I would, yeah, I would say like he looks more like, um, you know, like uh, like a genie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does he look like a genie? <laughs> has, like he does. Sixties movies. <laughs> uh, Danny Murphy comes in and says, "Can we just get Salah to come in and play free safety?" Yeah, it feels like we uh, we need a little bit of help back there. Joe, what do you think about the idea of possibly putting Ashton Davis back there? Uh, listen, Ashton Davis has had quite a few lumps in his in his three year career with the Jets, but at the end of the day, like they don't they they might not win that game without Ashton Davis in that play because if you if you go back and watch it, and I broke it down. Uh, Amari Cooper created a good two yards of separation on on uh, DJ Reed there, so if he wasn't there, you might be talking about a Browns 52, 53 yard field goal. Uh, for a win so um that plus how bad joiner has been you know why not at this point i love it yeah joiner's been a little left a little bit to be desired i definitely thought it was good bringing him back i thought there was going to be like that little bit oh veteran leadership you know we haven't seen him really play safety he got hurt so early on last year that like you know maybe he is better nope (laughs) he's a little slow he's uh Definitely, it's, he's making me want to see Ashton Davis on the field a little bit more because there's not as much upside as I, as I would have otherwise thought. Uh, Michael comes in and says, why can't this damn team make it easy? What did we do to deserve this torture? Let's beat the Bengals without our blood pressure going up, please. Uh, I think the Bengal game gets a lot more interesting when you see they lost two straight, both very close game. So I don't know if they're just going to be pissed off and we're going to get like a thumping after getting way too like exhilarated the week before. But it feels like the Jets can set up to win this one, especially Carl Lawson having his little bit of a uh, homecoming in a sense or, or getting to go against his former team. He didn't get to do that last year. The Jets beat them with Mike White last year. So I think, you know, maybe they're a little hurt because of that. But I think the Jets match up pretty well uh, against the Bengals overall. Uh, Greenbean, what are your thoughts going into this Bengal game? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that this is the one team in the NFL that's not going to take us lightly coming into mm-hmm. our house, no matter what the who the quarterback is or whatever is. Because uh, last year, obviously, that you know that was a trap game for them. Uh, they were a significantly better team, and we ended up having an, an historic game. You know, I mean, Mike White's jersey made it to the Hall of Fame and everything else. Uh, the truth is, man, is there is there kind of a reeling right now? Now, is it likely that the Bengals will start 0-3? I, I think that's just odds, I think, are stacked against us. Um, and, you know, just, just looking at it through that lens, I think that it's stacked against us. But, man, a big win like, like we just had and a loss like they just had, kind of they're licking their wounds and we're all puffed up. We come out fast and just start tossing it to Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore, who, by the way, is open uh, nine out of ten plays. He's just not getting the ball yet. So, I mean, we have options. It's not just Garrett Wilson. It's not, you know, it's not just Corey Davis. Like, it's we have options all over the field. So, if we start poking holes in their defense, they can start that, oh, shit, here it goes again. 
and we might have them, man. So, and then, you know, the home crowd has to be raucous. I hope they are. I'm not going to be there. Um, I wish I was, man. I, I honestly, I would love to go up there for another game. Uh, truth be told, you don't want me there. I don't win very much these days when I go up there. So there's that. But I think we got a shot, man. I mean, we have at least a puncher's chance, and um, I'm a big fan of punchers. So uh, let's see how it goes. Pooch guy comes in and says, love the win and feeling good, but can't help but be stressed about RS answers, about Robert Sala's answers about Zach Wilson. Feel like there's uh, that's the only cloud hanging over us right now. Matt, how'd you feel about the way Robert Sala kind of talked about Zach Wilson? I saw an interview, I think it was yesterday, where they were talking about like, oh, so it's like Zach's going to be playing for week four, you know, against the Steelers. And he's like, well, that's the earliest he's going to be coming back or the earliest we were told he could come back. Um, how are you feeling about Robert Sala and, you know, Zach Wilson moving forward in the next few weeks here? I have no idea what to believe with injuries anymore. I just don't because first it was uh, before week one, it was, you know, half smiling. Oh, he might have a shot to play in week one. And then the next day it was, we may, I mean, maybe you'll see him in week four, if maybe longer. And it's like, I, I know some of it's coach speak and I know some of it's trying to get Baltimore to prepare for everything, but it's just, the whole thing is just so bizarre. I think it'd be very strange at this point if he's not back by the pittsburgh game because that's what eight close to eight weeks right mm -hmm. no i'm six weeks eight weeks since the injury um by the time week time. four comes around it's gonna be close to eight weeks yeah, not a math guy weeks. never claimed to be but uh that <laughs> yeah. feels like a really long time um and I, I the bone bruises obviously takes longer to heal but um i, I want to see this guy selfishly i want to see this guy on the field as soon as possible Charles Gorman says, Ryan Garrett Wilson, in my opinion, is going to be special. Joe, how you feeling about some Garrett Wilson? So I wasn't privy to Matt's jersey purchases, but I've, I've seen that on Twitter <laughs> recently. So I am slightly concerned that whatever that is all about, that Matt might ruin Garrett Wilson. So um, no, I mean, like he he watching all the all the you know top guys in the draft, like he looked to be the receiver with the highest ceiling. Um, I didn't expect him to be scraping his ceiling so quickly. Um, the dude is dominating. Like last um, last week, he was open multiple times where he wasn't hit. The slant, multiple fade routes where Flacco missed him. He ran a whip in the end, or, or right near the end zone where he was wide open, and uh, and he was missed. This week, he was missed multiple times, and for him to still produce, like he did, 102 yards, two touchdowns, coming back after dropping a pass for a game-winning touchdown, like. He's been ridiculous, um, and so early into his career, you have to be excited about him, who looks to be the legitimate number one, a guy who has the the capability of being a top ten, top fifteen type receiver. And then people forget about Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore is is still a really good player. Like don't 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 raise Garrett Wilson up by pushing Elijah Moore down. Like Elijah Moore could still be a legitimate number one receiver as well. So uh, I'm really excited, and I did not expect it to happen this quick, but I'm I'm glad it has. Brian Bogan says, my ex is a Browns fan. Love this. Happy camper. That makes me feel so good. My event coordinator at work is like the guy I work with most closely throughout my day. And he's a Browns fan. And oh man, he picked the Browns in his survivor pool. <laughs> it was like this huge one where the winner wins like tens of thousands of dollars. And he's just like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you friggin' did it. It's like, yeah, you're right. Sit down. Don't bet against us. Uh, Brian comes in. It says, Victory Tuesday. Yes. 
Absolutely. Always nice to have a Victory Tuesday. We don't get many of them. Not since we've been doing this panel. Boogie Down Bronx. Thank you for the super chat. Says, so happy we won on Sunday. We needed a September win so bad. Putting us, uh, putting that aside, I do not like this defensive scheme. The Giants defense looks much better in creating havoc to the quarterback. So, Joe, I want to start with you on this one because when I'm looking at this Jets defensive line uh, and not getting maybe the pressure that you kind of hope that you would be getting out of having Quinn and Williams and John Franklin Myers and Carl Lawson and uh, you know Jermaine Johnson, Clemens, all those guys on the line. Uh, for me, I'm thinking. Look, the first two games of the season, we've played the Ravens, we've played the Browns, arguably two of the top five rushing teams in the league. And I think some of that lack of pass rush um, and maybe uh, havoc that you might be seeing with other, um, you know, other teams right now, I think part of that is containing Lamar, trying to contain Chubb, trying to contain Hunt. And I think this week, going up against a porous Cincinnati Bengals offensive line and a somewhat, you know, statue in Joe Burrow. I think this is the week we're probably going to start seeing some of that havoc that we've been wanting to see since the beginning of last year. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, I want to see them produce first teams who we're supposed to produce against. And obviously we still want them to produce first like offensive lines and teams that are top notch or like upper echelon because the Jets defensive line has a ton of capital poured into it as well. So you want to see them produce in that way. Um, but yeah, the Ravens, you, you, there was clearly rushes where guys were actually winning inside and then had to get back outside to contain Lamar Jackson. Uh, and obviously they did, they, they did that pretty well. So that's going to hamper some rushes. And then with the, with the Browns, you're talking about, in my opinion, the best rushing attack in the entire NFL um, short passes, play action, and then just pounding it down your throat. It's not necessarily conducive to um, getting a consistent pass rush, especially when you topple that with the fact that their offensive line is just, is just flat out good. Um, do I still want to see it produce more than it, ha- than, it, than it did last game? Yeah, for sure. Um, but I'll start to be concerned when they don't pr- uh, produce against teams like the Bengals who have let up, I think, 14 or 15 sacks in two weeks. So the Jets need at least five, six sacks in, in this game, in my opinion. Greenbean, how are you feeling about this upcoming week and the Jets defense overall, maybe not creating the havoc that maybe our crosstown rivals are? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I, I've said it, you know, for the past two weeks, really. I, I admittedly, sadly, and and uh, I don't want to, but I like the way the Giants look. I mean, I and, you know, I was forced to watch the first game because I was staying in Staten Island. And when I came home from our bullshit showing over there in our home opener. I went to Staten Island. The Giants game was on. I was with my brother-in-law and we were watching it. And I was watching Dable and I was watching the, you know, the, um, uh, who is it? Martindale, uh, the the coordinator over there and, and uh, the Wink. defensive. Yeah, Wink. And, um, you know, and dude, I, I was literally saying, wow, man, like I was very impressed. They're very aggressive. They're very smart. I like what they're doing. I like how they're disguising things. Um, I'm very impressed. And I also liked um, the way that uh, Dable was like really getting on Daniel Jones and the balls he showed going, you know, going for two. There's just so many layers of it. Now that said, um, who knows if it lasts and all that. And our team is 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 very young, right? Like we have a very young team, and and like and look, there is pressure. I mean, we're getting, you know, we got a few sacks. Quinnen is is really pressuring the quarterback. Uh, our rookie got a sack week one, you know, Jermaine Johnson. So it's not all bad. I mean, you know, the thing is, it, maybe it's not quite where we wanted it to be. I think Ryan said it good, man. Look, we started th- with this little era here with these young bucks against one some of the best, you know, most well-established, well-oiled 
rushing teams in the whole NFL, man. It's just what it, that's just what it is. These guys know what they're doing. They're, they're well coached and who knows? We have a lot of talent. I think we're seeing it. We, we might not be getting home, but like, I mean, look at all the pressures and Joe might be able to tell you better than me, you know, the, the specifics, but Carl Lawson was chasing uh, Lamar Jackson all over the damn place. I mean, we're pressuring the hell out of people. Uh, maybe we're not getting home as much as we'd like. Um, but I, I think the, you know, the, uh, the foundation is there. And I think let's, let's give them a little while. Let, let's give them more than two weeks uh, and one and one in September before we start getting worried. Matt, how are you feeling about the defense right now? Um, they definitely took a step back and I would probably like to see a little bit more consistency from the pass rush and the defensive line, but I agree that it's kind of too early to tell. Um, I think they have to hit their stride still. Uh, I don't think it would be fair to write them off after two games. I will say that I love DJ Reed and sauce Gardner on the outside. I think that is tremendous. Um, and I think some of the spots that we were worried about, you know, all off season long that never really got addressed might be an issue like free safety uh, and, and potentially linebacker depth still. So, um, you know, we'll see if it improves if the year goes on. I think it does, but um, I, I don't think I'm going nuts over it just yet. Yeah. And you know what? I think when we needed that pass rush and we needed Carl Lawson to get a sack, it was third down and he pushed his dude back and got a sack this past game. Uh, so I think that's important to to keep in mind as well. Not to mention when you're losing a lot, teams don't tend to pass much. They try to run the clock out a little bit more. So it makes things just a, a wee bit more difficult uh, in that side of things. AZ Jets says, who still thinks Baltimore had a better draft than us? Uh, Jets draft is looking pretty good right now. Really loving our, our, really a lot of our picks. They're all showing some pretty good upside uh, across the board. AbLab. Where's AbLab? There it is. Uh, he says, guys, you buy in the Cincy game will be the one that we have to, uh, words are hard right now. Guys, you buy in the Cincinnati game will be the one we have complimentary game. Our offense, defense, and special teams all click. We dominate. That would be our, we have arrived game. Um, I think we're definitely going to see the pass rush. I think the Jets match up favorably with how the the Bengals could. I would love to see them just stick Sauce Gardner on Jamar all game. That's a matchup I would love to watch. Uh, I just, I have so much confidence in that kid against like anyone. They put him against Mark Andrews and they put him against, you know, Amari Cooper. Now, obviously he, he kind of gave up the touchdown, but I don't, you know, factor it so much against him like i know it's like a blown coverage but i feel like skill wise it wasn't like his guy beat him it was like he just played the wrong coverage joe how are you feeling uh, about the cincinnati game you think this is going to be the one that we like kind of put it all together for uh, i'm hoping so because last year we had the titans game where we were all excited and then we went to london and and had a terrible showing against the falcons so the jets of the past oh, they win we got all excited and then next week we're all miserable again so I'm, I'm hoping it can carry for more than a week and we actually show up and do they necessarily need to win no but i would like them to obviously but as long as they're competitive in this game but i, I think when you look at the Bengals, like we legitimately match up well like their, their strength on offense is their receivers we got some good corners they have weak offensive line we have a pretty good defensive line, um, so we should pressure them. And then on defense, like I'm not really worried about 
really anybody that they have like overly worried like we were against you know the the Browns with Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett so I think we should be able to move the ball on them you're talking about Eli Apple is one of their starting corners uh who is he guarding Elijah Moore or Garrett Wilson you know either either way just attack him so I think the other one is a, a Wuzier who's decent but um the Jets stack up pretty well so um I think that they they should at least compete if not win this game and if they don't um, then we're kind of back to square one. We're all miserable. We want to fire everybody. And then the next time we win, we'll all be happy again. So let's stack. <laughs> Green bean. Is this going to be a complete game from the jets? Could you imagine? I mean, two, two wins in a row, man. Did, did we have any, uh, idea when the hell last time that was, when was that? 2019, but they didn't count because they were all a bunch of scrub teams and it was with Adam Gase. But other than that, that's right. It was like the Steelers game with like the third string quarterback and the Bills backups. Mm -hmm. I think that was Mm -hmm. the stretch right there. That was it. Okay, good. So it's been a few years. Um, Yeah, man, I think, uh, uh, you know, Joe nailed it, man. And, you know, sad to say, I I, I have to admit that that's where my mind goes to. You know, it's like it's unfortunate. But like last year, we got really excited because don't forget in the Carolina game, the first half we were atrocious. The second half we came back. Zach to Corey Davis for 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 two scores. It was a one score game, and then we you know um, and and then you know we played the Titans game and and we beat them in very exciting fashion. And then we, I fully expected to beat a really kind of uh, struggling Falcons team, and they owned us. We it was such a uninspired performance. And uh, I'd hate to see that again. Now, um, the only difference is that they had an entire 17 games now, and now they're now they have 19 games underneath their belt. Where before it was their fifth game ever as a as a as a collective, right? They have a, a whole mess of new players. I mean, look, just this year's draft alone gave Robert Sala's guys three first round picks and a Brees Hall. I mean, in the last two years, what what head coach? In his first two years coaching, has five first-round picks, and his two seconds are Elijah Moore and Brees Hall. I mean, you know, so there's a major influx of talent, and I think again, um, you know, Mike Lafleur. Just look at Mike Lafleur. I think he's a much more well, well-oiled offensive coordinator than he was week four or five last year. Uh, I think we can trust him. He's Mike Labooth now, right? You know, I think I'm not <laughs> sure if he was. He might have been on in the booth at that point. I I, I forget, but. Again, I think um, it's a little bit different, so maybe we see something. I'll tell you what: if we do, Jet Nation is going to explode because I mean, we're shit. We're not used to this, man. In September, we get two in a row in September. I don't know what's going to happen, uh, but it would be exciting. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm rooting for it, obviously. Matt, we playing a complete game? Yeah, you know what? Let's let's ride high. Why not? Let's keep the optimism <laughs> train rolling. Yeah, let's say only positive pres- vibes. Yeah, I mean, come right on. on. It's man. week three. First win in September since 2018. Like, why not? Yeah. I think like realistically, though, I think if there ever was a time for this defensive line to have a, you know, come to, you know, up to par game, it's this one against the offensive line that's really, really struggled. And obviously, look, trying to cover uh, T Higgins and uh, Jamar Chase is a big challenge. But I think Sauce and uh, DJ Reed are up for that challenge, I think. You know, how about another shootout? Maybe you don't have to play defense. You go in 34-31, like Ryan predicted last week. I want to see it. Give me the points. Yeah. Michael says Robert Sala gave himself room to continue sitting Zach Wilson if Joe Flacco is playing well. 
Uh, team is meshing, and Zach Wilson has uh, and Zach Wilson has even a slight pain. But Zach Wilson looked good and was on the sideline. I was kind of questioning that. Like, what happens if Joe Flacco continues to have over 300 yards and a lot of, like, touchdowns? Like, he winds up getting, like, three touchdowns a game. Uh, like, do you, do you, like, still pull the trigger and go back to Zach? I feel like that you got to know what you have in Zach. But at the same time, like, the rest of the team, like, their careers are relying on, you know, putting up some good stats and things like that and, and developing. Uh Matt, I want to go to you first, because I know you've been very, very Zach practices, Zach plays. Is that still how you're feeling right now? If he's healthy, he plays. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, seriously. We've been doing this gimmick every week, it feels like, with the megaphone. But um, you you have to know what Zach Wilson is after this year. You you can't, you know, say, we gave it our best shot with Joe Flacco, and now we're six and seven with four games left and you're like oh well shit now we should probably see what zach has in the last four weeks of the year like well you kind of just punted away an entire season potentially and i think it's just you know you hope that joe continues to play well and then when zach's ready say thank you for stepping in and holding down the fort it's it's time to see what our 23 year old can do now Duncan comes in and says, week three, better tackling, stop the screens, no soft zone. I would love to see some man on some of those wide receivers. I still really want to see the matchup of sauce on chase. Um, But yeah, the screens mixing is the type of running back that could really cause us fits with our linebacking core. I think if there's really one area that sort of concerns me uh, right now, I would say that's probably it. Pat Dunn drops in and says, Max Mitchell appreciation super chat. Uh, unfortunately I can't put the member super chats on the screen. I don't know why it's something with the using restream. Um, but thank you. Uh, Benji says most underrated part of the season so far is Max Mitchell. He's been fantastic for a rookie. If he's our right tackle Fant at left tackle and Becton as a swing backup. Oh my, uh, it's going to be that this year. I think, uh, you know, we're going to keep watching Mitchell and if he continues to play well, I think it'll be more of a Fant versus Brown at left tackle. And they'll let Mitchell kind of ride it out at right tackle, um, especially if there's any sort of fluctuation in, in fans' play on the left-hand side. Uh, future-wise, I'm fascinated to see what they do at the tackle position. But, Joe, I want to get your thoughts on this. Max Mitchell, is he's our right tackle, and do you think he continues to stay there even after uh, Brown gets healthy? Yeah, I, I think obviously you're, we're going to project him to keep going, you know, in an upward trajectory. Um, I think he would be the starter um, because you have to, you also have to you know, take into take in the fact that when Dwayne Brown comes back, then you're moving Fant again. So give Max Mitchell the opportunity um, to play, give him a short leash because I think on a team where let's say like we had him a Holmes, we had an established quarterback, you leave Max Mitchell out there, you let him take his bumps, he develops. But the thing is you got, you have to do everything to help out Zach Wilson. So if Dwayne Brown could be a slightly better player than Max Mitchell this season, I think the Jets would strongly consider it, but I think they, they leave Max Mitchell in, um, for the con- for continuity's sake and, and just leave him with, with a short leash. But, um, let's hope he progresses and we don't have to worry about, about Dwayne Brown and he's $11 million backup. Greenbean, how are you feeling about Max Mitchell? And do you think he should stay starting even after Brown comes back? Well, you know, Joe just said it with his last word, $11 million backup. Is that something that the Jets are willing to do, right? Like, like, look, Max Mitchell, to be clear, has had his struggles, right? You know, we know that. He's not, you know, he hasn't looked excellent 
Um, and he, you know, he still needs to develop, I think. I mean, you know, you see it, um, especially with strength and stuff like that. He hits his heels uh, quite a bit from what I've looked at. I haven't really broken it down uh, for myself yet, but I've looked at some stuff. But I, but I am impressed. I mean, I love it. And it's, you know, look, man, how many times in our history have we grabbed guys in the fourth and sixth round and started them and they've been great, whether it's Matt Slauson or, or O'Dwyer or Jason Fabini, all these guys, you know, we, we grab them and we throw them in and, and, they, and they have their struggles and, and they kind of learn, you know, uh, trial by fire and, and it works out. Now, Max Mitchell, I liked Max Mitchell uh, in, in the draft. I thought he was right, right where he was going to go, fourth, fifth round. Um, and, but I was really hoping to, you know, to let him develop. But I think he's playing well, man. And um, if Dwayne Brown comes back and the line is playing well, like I think AVT – and Max Mitchell, like their start, dude, they were handling Garrett, you know, Garrett, um, the fuck's his name? Miles Garrett. Tell me. Yeah, Miles, thank you. I was going to say Garrett Wilson. I'm like, oh, I'm stuck. I ain't getting You know, when it. he's in um, uh, London, it's kilometers, Garrett. There you go. I like <laughs> yes. <you're, laughs> kilometers, oh. Garrett. Uh, oh, I'm a so, dad. Yeah, See, I, I'm allowed to do this yeah, now. Yeah, you are, right? That happened <laughs> fast, Ryan. You're you did it prior <laughs> to. You did it prior to. Yeah. Oh, so uh, good. Only a couple of years. Um, but yeah, man, I think, you know, like it's while Dwayne Brown, like Joe said, 11 million bucks, you know, you're, you have a certain amount of motivation to, you know, to use that money that you spent, you want to get some return, but dude, how many times can we tinker with the chemistry of this friggin' offensive line? And if we're going to get Zach, well, let's say we're two and two when Zach comes back or, you know, or something like that. So Zach gets a nice, good jump. Um, you know, he's healthy. And you got a line that's kind of congealing as opposed to the mayhem that he went through the first quarter, five games of the season last year. I mean, the line looked completely and utterly lost last year, uh, in addition to Greg Van Roten being Greg Van Roten. So, like, you know, how many times? Like, so the line gels a little bit. Dwayne Brown's ready to come back week four with Zach. And it's like, we're going to do that again? Like, I think unless Max Mitchell or Fant is, you know, injured or struggling, just keep it, man. And, and just keep letting them develop and work together as a unit. Don't forget, ABT was moved to the right side. We got Lakin Tomlinson. We, we still have enough to to gel on, on you know, in that unit. I say leave it alone if it's looking good and, uh, and, and let them work on becoming a unit as opposed to, yet again, uh, throwing a, 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 you know, a stick in the spokes. Matt, how you feeling about Max Mitchell? And does he stay in once Brown is healthy? Um, he's been better than what I thought he would be. Um, I don't think he's been perfect. There's obviously been a couple of flaws, but honestly, like when the Jets drafted him, I thought he was a developmental guy, like someone who would probably need to to sit for a little while before getting like in-game action or, you know, get more preseason reps before you have um, a chance to be starting for this team. And due to just injuries, he got thrown in there and he's done a nice job but i think I, I think i would go back to Dwayne brown and george fant um and the reason behind that is i think with the veterans you'd have at least a little bit more um consistency and i know mix uh, max mitchell obviously there's some upside there and i think there's a chance he could be a long-term starting right tackle but i don't I'm not comfortable riding that out for a full season right now. As an emergency right now, I think it's good, but um, I think I'd switch back to Dwayne Brown and George Fant once they're healthy. Guys, if you're enjoying the stream, hit that like button. If you want to get entered to win a t-shirt, all you got to do is retweet the stream uh, over on Jets Talk 247. 
Twitter. Uh, and if you're watching this after the fact, all you got to do is leave a comment down below and you can get entered into next week's t-shirt giveaway. Disregard Papa comes in and says, who's winning us versus Dolphins? Also, is it just me or why are our cornerbacks giving so many yards off scrimmage? Uh, they are giving the other team free first downs. So I think he's referring to like, why are we like so far away from the wide receiver? I think, unless he's just talking about like actually giving up yardage. Um, I guess I've noticed that and that's kind of frustrating. As far as us versus Dolphins, oh man. I didn't, I was really hoping Baltimore was going to thump Miami. That would have given me a lot more confidence, I think, going into uh, the Jet Miami game. Luckily, we got to see two more games prior to like seeing what just happened against Baltimore. Joe, how are you feeling about the Dolphins this year? Their offense is pretty good. Like, listen, like, like the corners have played well, but we haven't played Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle mm-hmm. yet. So, um, and even Gasecki, who's a glorified, you know, uh, wide receiver at yeah. this point, but our linebackers aren't necessarily the best in coverage so they have a ton of of uh really good passing options now again it depends on the defensive line like the defensive line hasn't produced necessarily as much as we wanted to uh, as, as much as we wanted to in the first two weeks but can they take advantage of a miami offensive line that's not necessarily um a strength of of their team and not allow tyreek hill to be streaking 30 40 yards down the field and to hit him with lollipop. So it's all about the defensive line and, and how we get after them. And then it's all about, uh, obviously at that point too, you have Zach Wilson coming back and that might be a second or first or second game back. And how, how quickly is he going to process and be able to replace hots and all that stuff because they're going to blitz you and they're going to play tight man coverage and you got to be able to process pretty quickly and get that ball out. So uh, it's going to be about the defensive line and how quickly Zach Wilson could, could find the answer um, versus the blitz. Hennessy says defensive line should feast this Sunday. The Bengals offensive line is giving up 6.5 sacks per game so far this season. The D line uh, is the D line as good as we think. Greenbean, I want to hear from you. Is the defensive line as good as we think it is? Yeah, <clears throat> yes, it is. You just got to give them time, man. You got to give them time to to work it all out. Um, I mean, there's lots of pressure. I mean, look, you know, Lamar Jackson's tough to, <sighs> oh, excuse me. Uh, Lamar Jackson is, I know I have COVID still, man. I'm just, I'm trying over there. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, Lamar Jackson's tough to, to grab. I mean, they were chasing him all over the place. How many times did we see him kind of squirt out? And we're like, come on, you gotta, oh, you gotta, he's tough. He's, <clears throat> he's Lamar Jackson for a reason, man. And, um, you know, we, you know, Jacoby Brissett is not, is not Lamar Jackson, but, um, he's another one, you know? So it's like, I, I think, um, we put all our resources into the defensive line. Not all of it, but a lot of resources into the defensive line. That's where our focus is. And, you know, kind of making a statement that they're not as good in two weeks in an, in an you know, an 18-week season, I think is a little presumptuous. I mean, they're definitely aggressive. Quinn and Williams is looking like a beast. You know, um, he's pushing his guys all over the place. He's affecting the pocket uh, consistently. He got his sack. You know, that, that, that Carl Lawson sack last week was a half sack. The other half went to Quinn and Williams, who, by the way, has a knack for coming up with his numbers when you need him to. Uh, he's not a stat patter. He's, he gets his stats on third and fourth downs. That's what he tends to do. And I like those players. So we have that on our team. Don't forget the Quinn and Williams clothesline, which was just fucking awesome, man, on Kareem Hunt. <laughs> I think it was, or maybe it was, um, you know, uh, Chubb, I, I forget, but it was just like he just stuck his fun. arm out, and that was the – anyway, it was great, man. Like, yeah! I wish he – and, you know, <laughs> rip his hair out and everything else. That's what I want. It gets me excited, man. 
Um, I think the defensive line has has just uber potential, man. And let's just watch them work together, get better. Let's get you know, let's watch Ulbricht hopefully uh, get the calls right and who to send um, and who to pull at the right time and how to disguise certain things and line stunts and all that jazz. Let's just watch them get together and work this out. I think the talent's there, and um, you know, let's. Uh, I think they're going to be dominant this year. Mumtaz says Salah says we have to clean up our issues but when still too many unnecessary penalties that kill drives still drops and fumbles if not for michael carter's shiftiness we can barely run the ball i think the self-inflicted wounds have been the most frustrating thing for me like watching mcgovern get those two like offensive linemen downfield penalties just had me banging my head against a wall and the pre-snap stuff with like hey oh i forgot the snap count and i hopped like stop it <laughs> like you're just shooting yeah. yourself in the foot the yeah. unnecessary penalties are the ones that really really kill you uh matt what are your thoughts on the jets shooting themselves in the foot and do you think they they kind of get it all figured out i hope so i feel like for years they've done that uh you brought up a couple of good examples like a, a veteran like that i feel like should know better um i don't know it's the the plays and the penalties where it's obvious that you know, it's just dumb and, and silly, silly mistakes. Uh, it, it's definitely frustrating. Um, someone that I think bounces back this week, who was someone I was high on that has kind of struggled a little bit in the first two games, Tyler Conklin. Um, he had a mm -hmm. you know a couple fumbles and a few drops mixed in, but I think he's too ta uh, too talented to continue to struggle this way. Um, and I, I, I think for whatever reason, they just have been focusing more on the wide receivers in the passing game, but. Um, I, I think he's too good to continue to ignore and play the way that he is. So he's one guy who's maybe struggled a little bit that bounces back. Can I say this gonna, too? On, on, ooh, on yeah. Just on that note, just uh, you reminded me, man. I, I meant to say this before when we were talking about Max Mitchell. Dude, how badass and clutch was that Max Mitchell fumble recovery on Conklin's yes. fumble? Mm -hmm. Dude, he took – if you watch that play, it's like when the ball comes out, you see he just – I love watching guys dig like it's with everything that they have. And that's what it was. And if he didn't get that, that gives Cleveland the ball on the fucking 10 yard line. That's a different game, man. So you got to yeah. give that to Max Mitchell too. That's heads up. So that's another thing that you can credit him with, man. Not everybody does that, man. You think that they're you know, supposed to at this level, like Salo said, where you get to play a kid's game for a, you know, a king's ransom. We should be motivated. All the motivation, not true. It does not. It does. It's not the case. These guys, uh, not everybody plays 100% all the time. And and Max Mitchell, in in his two weeks with us, we've already seen a lot of a lot of that. And that fumble is is uh, is a key moment, man. That I think is not getting talked about enough. And it um, it changed the entire game. Yeah, and you look at the hustle, right? Like the Jets seemed like they were running to the ball at every point. Like the onside kick recovery with Adams and Hardy was friggin' awesome too. Like everything about this. And then you look at like the other side of the ball and the Browns just gave it up. Like they, they had the blown coverage. I think they were supposed to be playing cover three or, or they are, yeah, you're supposed to be playing cover three thought they were playing cover too. So Corey Davis was fucking wide open on the sideline. And they're just like trotting. They're like, oh, you know, we'll go through the motions. Like, you, at least hustle. Like, make the guy work for it a little bit. Uh, Joe, is there well, anything did, about our team? Oh, well, Greenbean. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. And I, I was going to ask Joe this, but did you guys see on that note, Ryan, on that play, did you mm -hmm. see the thing that Connor Hughes put out using the next-gen stats on Twitter? Did you guys see that, that the Jets set that up all day? 
that they actually set that play up to Corey Davis all day with Elijah Moore and what he was doing. And then on that play, they they changed it. So like Ward and everybody were expecting the Jets to do the exact same thing that they were doing all day out of that formation. Then they changed it, and Corey Davis did a different route, and that's why it blew open. Uh, I think if that's really the case, and I was going to ask Joe if he had a chance to look at that, is he accurate? I mean, look, Connor Hughes has said on numerous occasions, I'm not a stats guy, I'm not a film guy. Uh, so for him to be the guy to put that out, a little bit out of character, but I thought it was excellent if accurate. And I wanted to see, you know, Joe, is that is that the case on that point? Uh, so to be transparent, I, I had to do all the film yesterday and I, I basically funneled it because I had to get the film show out today. But I didn't I didn't notice that. To me, it just looked like a like a blown coverage. Like like you had Ward who expected the safety to grab it and 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 uh you had the safety who thought Ward was going to carry it. I forget during the review if I if I said if it was uh, going to be cover six or cover four, like whatever they were expecting it, um, each other or which which one the safety and the cornerback were, were expecting between cover four and cover six. I forget exactly what I said because that was a couple of hours ago, uh, brain fried a little bit, but. I didn't see them setting it up. It, it wasn't. It wasn't like something where they kept running a curl, curl, curl. Then it was a. Then it was. Then it was a stutter and go. Like I didn't. I, now, is it possible? Can you miss stuff when you're watching film? Uh, in terms of them consistently setting something up, yes. Um, but it just looked like a like a straight up just blown coverage to me um, from from Denzel Ward. Interesting. Isban, what's up, dude? He says, what's up, guys? What a victory. Let's show some love to Justin Hardy. Great special teams guy. Single-handed uh, single handed is a tackling machine in punts and kicks. Talk about the difference from special teams week one to special teams week two. 57-yard boot from Zerline. The fake fourth, and, uh, fourth down play with the 17-yard completion to Jeff Smith from Braden Mann. Braden Mann had one punt that I think was inside the... I was inside the 10 or inside the five. And then he has the onside kick at the end of the game with Hardy recovering it. Like this whole special teams unit, A plus for this week. Absolutely awesome. Matt, how are you feeling about the special teams this week? Significantly better. I mean, in week one, they were a huge part of the reason why the Jets struggled so much, whether it was man with the shanked punts, uh, Zerloin missing the extra points uh, and the field goal just completely different from top to bottom. You had the the trick play that worked on fourth down. Shout out Braden Mann for pulling that off. The onside kick from Braden Mann. He also punted much better, I thought. And Zerloin hits from 57 and hits a clutch extra point. I think that's, uh, that's a drastic improvement. And yeah, Justin Hardy, I mean, is he still a team? I was going to say he's a team captain for a reason, but I, I don't want to shoot my mouth off. I don't remember if he's still a team captain this year or not. I think he is, right? He is. I'm he pretty sure he is, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's obviously well respected in the room, and the coaches love him too. Joe, what are your thoughts on the special teams? Without him, we don't win the game. Like at the end of the day, if they don't make a 57-yard kick, that they're not they're not necessarily in a position to to do that. And how often? Like, listen, you know, Joe Flacco's drive was great. Um, the catch from Garrett Wilson was great, but what's more unlikely? Those plays or the, or the special teams doing what they did? So, um, they're one of the bigger reasons, if not the biggest reason we, we won the game, uh, people kind of push special teams down, but obviously it was very important for the Jets just th this game. And then on top of that too, like how, how well did Braxton Barrios consistently set the Jets up in this game? Um, so they were, they were really important. I didn't expect, you know, Greg Zerline to make a 57 yard kick after shanking a couple the week prior. Um, but thank God it slipped through. And again, if it doesn't hit that at the end of the day, we don't win the game and, uh, the onside kick, if they don't recover it, 
guess what? We never have a chance. Yeah, I feel like Berrios was putting us beyond the 30 with every kick return that he mm-hmm. took. Greenbean, what were your thoughts on the special teams? Uh, I mean, I feel the same way. I mean, look, can I just say one? I'm going to say one thing, two words, all right? Um, Jeff Smith, we fucking finally saw this guy do something uh, for this team. We've been waiting forever. This is the guy pushing Denzel Mims to the bench. And they maybe they've been saving it for two years. They're like, you wait, you wait. We have a play. We have a play. It's going to blow everything wide open. Um, maybe that's what it was, man. So uh, it was nice to see that they had the balls to do the things that they did this week. Uh, in addition to what Joe was saying about making the long field goal and uh, and and look, Braden Man's punting and all this stuff. I mean, it was it was pretty locked down. Um, but again, I think uh, having the guts to do the fake punt and have it be successful. I mean, look, Braden Man, dude, he, he threw that. He threw the pass to Jeff Smith. He had the beautiful onside kick. His punting, and it's just uh, again, I think I'll reiterate that stuff's That's the tough stuff, you know. That's the stuff with low percentage. Uh, onside kicks are very low percentage. You know, fake punts. Uh, I don't know the percentage, but I imagine it's very low, or we'd see a lot more of them. Um, so it, you know, it made the game more exciting. It showed a, uh, some gumption. It made me feel. This is this is my interpretation of this. It made me feel in conjunction with Salah being very angry during this. He was angry a lot. A lot more than I'm used to seeing him. He's there's a lot of pictures out there him with, with his finger. He's a finger wagger in this in this game, and 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 it, and it made it it kind of all lumps together that the Jets have kind of had it. You know what I mean? Of play, it's like we might just be leaning toward a little touch more aggressive and saying, "Screw this, we have to go out there and win games," as opposed to playing nicey nice out there. Let's go show some balls, and maybe Salah's actually just starting to become. A New Yorker. Wouldn't that be nice? See a little little New York version of Robert Sala, a little attitude problem. I think that would be nice to see. And that's my that's what I got. It was like, you know, they're 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 not here to lose. They're here to try to win this game. It was 14-14 at the half. Let's not forget that, man. They punched their way through this entire game and they took their shots. Special teams at the center of it, man. And they nailed it, man. It was fantastic to see. Everaldo comes in and says, I love watching live YouTube reactions of Browns fans going from thrill of victory to the agony of defeat. There's just oh. something so great. And it warms my heart to watch the fans. They're like, because you see the Jet fans in the stands, right? And they're just like, oh man, you know, they scored a touchdown. This really sucks. Like we're we're gonna lose now. And then Corey Davis scores. And they're like, oh, you know, they kind of look around like, hey, you know, it's the, you know, it's not the worst thing. Then they get the onside kick. <laughs> and then you see all the Browns fans just like hands on the head going down and then they get the touchdown and the tears start flowing and it is just so so beautiful joe how'd you feel watching some of these browns reactions oh they're they're amazing um and i'll send you guys one after i don't want to call them out on on live but there's a a fake browns fan who i who i know personally was a jets fan a couple of years ago and now he's apparently a browns fan so seeing him on his podcast and and reacting and pretending to be sad because he's not even a real Browns fan was was amazing. So that was that was fun to watch. Um, and just in general, seeing the other you know fans go through what we've experienced for years, uh, maybe not necessarily to that degree, but it's it's definitely nice, especially for Browns fans who got super cocky after going like seven and nine, talking down to the Jets. So Browns right. fans, um, they they got on my bad side pretty quickly. How cocky they were. I hate Browns fans. And you're so right, man. Dude, they forgot who they are, man. What are you guys talking about? You've had 15 minutes out of yep. the complete bottom end of the basement. If you look, you guys want to see the best one I've seen out there is a YouTube channel called Yacht, like Y-A-C-H-T. 
reacts. Go and watch that idiot. If he hasn't taken that video down yet, he's a complete moron. He looks like a just a, a the butthole of buttholes. Uh, go and watch that one if you want to see the epitome of brown overreaction, decon just decompressions in front of your eyes. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. And good for them, man. You know, Brad, did you guys see the picture of the Browns uh, tailgate with the guy? I was uh -huh. just going to say that. Yeah. I was just yeah. going to say right? that. It's like, and there's another guy out there, um, bench warmer uh, sports. He's another Browns fan. He and he calls out the rest of the Browns fans. You guys know I hate Browns fans. Most of, there are good ones. Don't get me wrong, but as a collective, I think they're the worst fans in the entire uh, NFL. I think they deserve all the pain that they get. And again, just like Joe said, they completely forgot who they are, dude. You guys are losers. Don't forget it, <laughs> Matt. What'd you think <laughs> about the uh, the Browns fans' reactions? Yeah, when I was doing my uh, weekly watch of the Green Bean podcast, I enjoyed when he included those reactions in his show. It was uh, very entertaining. I was tagged in a bunch of good ones on Twitter. Um, and I was going to mention, like, just scum of the earth for the, I mean, the tailgate stuff is just like, I, I, I don't know, not just not it. No need for that. Yeah. Did not you see it. the Barstool thing? It was like the Browns are 0-1 since this picture hit the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> like it was the tailgate one with the the uh those are not illegal um yeah. ugh, it was just wonderful it's everything i want that's wanted. who they are man that's who they are again dude i went to that stadium the, the game that they came back with a huge sign that said welcome back cleveland i had giants fans miami's fans dallas fans uh jets fans pittsburgh fans all together with a huge sign and they all they wanted to do was fight us everywhere we went all they want thousands of them wanted to fight us they're scumbags all of them Except for like three or four. <laughs> uh, before we go any further, your boys got to pay some bills. Uh, fellas, fantasy football draft season is right around the corner. CeeDee Lamb is good, but have you seen these beautiful balls? It's time to get your snake looking right for the snake draft with the sponsor of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below the waist tech... Uh, the leaders in below the waist grooming have created a championship lineup with the performance package 4.0. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping using promo code Jets Talk. All right, we move on. Mumtaz drops into the chat again and says Tomlinson is the biggest disappointment so far. This guy we thought will play an all-pro level and lift the whole team. Pro Football Focus has him at a 62 out of 70 guards. Uh, I saw a few Twitter threads of Tomlinson getting beat up week one. I did not pay as close attention to him this past week, I have to admit. Um, I did see that Elijah Vera Tucker was like ranked first of 62 guards this week in terms of pass rush win rate. Is that correct? I believe that's right. Um, I think Samini tweeted that out. So I might be uh, wrong here. Joe, talk to me about the guards. Tomlinson not playing well. AVT looking like a stud. How you feeling? Yeah, AVT was good uh, in, the, in the first game. In, in the run game, pass protection, a little bit sketchy. Uh, and he was a little bit sketchy even in the preseason, but that, that's going to come with moving to a new position um, and having to adjust the, to a bunch of new offensive linemen around you. Uh, and he seemed to round out this week. He played really, really well. And then Lakin Thomason was was absolutely terrible week one. Like it, it's, it was the entire game. He was getting absolutely just destroyed. Um, but this game, he bounced back. This, this game, I didn't notice him 
in a bad way. And when I did notice him, it was mostly in a good way in the running game and things like that. So uh, Lake and Thomason bounced back to what I thought he would be um, in, in week two. I didn't, he, he definitely was not terrible in, in this game at all. Greenbean, how are you feeling about the performance of Tomlinson so far this season? And are you disappointed in his play so far? I was week one. I'll tell you that. I couldn't believe it. I don't know what we were watching. I'm like, I, you know, like it's, it's very similar to like, you know, Dwayne Brown. He's been largely uh, healthy his whole career. And he comes, he's here one week and he's out like those kinds. And then you see Lakin Tomlinson. He's a pro baller. He comes over here and he sucks. Like, I'm like, come on. I don't know if you guys remember, um, there was a, a, a kick returner years ago, the best in the league, Carter. Uh, we signed him big for a free agent signing. He, you know, we're going to change our, uh, our special teams and be, have a dynamic playmaker. And he was, he fumbled like four or five times. He was like the worst. We cut him mid season. The Niners got him back right away and he was great again. So like, I was worried that Lakin Tomlinson was going to be the exact same thing. Uh, he looked much better this week. So I think, uh, I think he just realized like, holy cow, man, like I, I need to, I need to snap out of this man and be who I am. And thankfully he looked a lot better. So hopefully that's the way it goes the rest of the season. Waz says pass rush is still not there. The Bengals game is on. Uh, the, this Bengals game is on the D line. You give Burrow the same amount of time as Brissett. We're screwed. Matt, do you think we're getting to Burrow this week? Yes, I do. Uh, the Bengals spent a ton of money on their offensive line in the off season and it, doesn't look great so far through two games. Um, it also feels like he's holding on to the ball for a while. I don't know what what that's about, but yeah, I mean, Jacoby Brissett could have like just chilled and hung out there for most of the day outside of that Carl Lawson sack. But you know, matchup wise, I think this is the time where we need to see the Jets look like they did against what was it Tennessee in Week Four last year, where the defensive line really had probably their best game. Um, they're going to need a performance like that to win this one. I want to talk about one of our rookies. I want to get everyone's thoughts on this one. Joe, I'm going to start with you. Garrett Wilson, stud. How are you feeling about him moving forward? Uh, yeah, like I kind of talked about it before. Like he, in, in week one, um, he was open on a slant for a touchdown where Flacco, uh, he checked the ball down, which is okay. It's a part of his progression. He, he went through it properly, but Garrett Wilson was wide open, wide open on a whip route for a touchdown was open for two fade routes that Joe Flacco just didn't put the ball in the best location. And in this game, he had multiple plays where he could have got a touchdown. The, the, the corner route, Joe Flacco threw it too short. Um, the vertical the vertical route in the beginning of the game, I forget exactly what uh, when it was. It was a hard throw for Flacco to make, but he's streaking down the sideline. He, made, he had at least a two yards of separation which is a lot vertically in the NFL. If Zach Wilson's in there, that that you know, assuming he makes a good pass, he could be running for he could still be running, you know. So uh he's been going on even past the or he's been going off even past the stats. Um he should have at least another touchdown or two and at least another 50, 60, 70 yards. Um and that's legitimate. It's not like when people you know, they, they, they freeze frame it and the quarterback's looking the opposite way. Oh, he was open. Yeah, he, the quarterback wasn't going – that wasn't part of his progression. Like, that's that's not, not what happens in the NFL. Um, but legitimately, he is dominating right now um, so early into his career. Now, does he have to stack these games up? Yes, it's only two games, so let's not freak out. Um, but it is a little bit hard not to because it's not it's not just, oh, he, 
you know, he's wide open because of a busted coverage. Like he is getting open himself. Um, and he looks like he does against the, the people he was playing uh, when he was playing on Ohio State. Like he's still cr- like creating the same separation. We all saw that fade. How, how much room do you have to create? The quarterback could have, you know, underhanded him the ball because he was open. So uh, it's great. And I'm Green still bean. mad that Matt bought a jersey. Apparently, so I, 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 I didn't. I didn't know that <laughs> was a thing. Over. But now, yeah, got to break the streak. The September streak is broken, baby. Yeah. We're 500. Things are looking up. Green Bean, Garrett Wilson goes into Cleveland, puts the elf on a shelf. How you feeling about him moving forward? I can't take credit for that joke, by the way. That was someone that said that yesterday on my call-in show, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> elf on a shelf. good again. I'll tell you what, man, you know what I like most about it? And it will obviously I like the touchdowns and the stats, but what, what I like most about it is his attitude, right? Like, so he said before the game, he can't wait to go back and breathe in that Ohio air. And it was Garrett Wilson. He was the, he had a large part of sucking all the air out of the stadium, man. You know, I, Eric Allen said that the stadium was eerily silent after the onside kick. You know why? Because they know they've been there before. They forgot. But they've been there a thousand times. They know what it feels like, just like we know what it feels like. You know, when you know when the tides turn and you're in the stadium, I said it to Matt week one in 20, 2021. Hey, you feel it? Yeah, I feel it. It was said to me by Jack from Jets Media. The start of the third quarter, he just looked at me and said, can you feel that, Bean? I said, yeah, I can, man. And it didn't, the, the, the run didn't even start yet. And we felt it. We know. So, like, they felt it. It was silent. And I think the coolest thing was seeing Garrett Wilson kind of excitedly yelling into the crowd like what's up like he's no longer an ohio player he's new york he's jets and 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 he went in there to show his former fans you know how many of those guys i would say most were rooting for him last year you know what i mean they they loved their garrett wilson i know ohio state fans even here in virginia they're you know they were telling me all week oh you you know thank us thank us for garrett wilson that kind of stuff and and uh you know and he was showing them like hey man i'm a jet and I love that. Did you see the reaction video of him on the onside kick, jumping all over the place on the sidelines and all that stuff? And it's just, I think that kind of stuff is exciting. You know, we were talking about this a lot. These young players, they they were not told, they don't know that they're on the Jets, so they're supposed to suck. They still want to have actual careers. They still want to be great. And I think that's the kind of player that we need in order to get out of this and break this shell we've been stuck in. And, you know, that kind of excitement, I think it was fantastic. I couldn't love Garrett Wilson more. It started from his first catch when he juked three guys and almost got to the first down. He said, holy shit, that's new. <laughs> we don't see that all the time. So I think he's a stud. I think it's real. Matt, you remember draft night and we take Garrett yeah. Wilson after we all thought we were taking the edge rusher at that point? It's feeling pretty good right about now. How I was happy. I, I, yeah, no, I, I know. I, I remember. <laughs> you yeah, were very happy. Garrett, Garrett Wilson was my guy. That's why, I mean... It all worked out, but I was I wanted the edge at four and Garrett Wilson at ten. That was my preferred plan. Uh, obviously, you went sauce wide receiver edge, and you know we're all happy here. But um, I think that like this is the reason why I wanted a wide receiver in you know at the top of the draft, someone with that cal- caliber of talent. We just don't see very often the the route that he ran on the fade for the first touchdown was really really impressive. His footwork is really good. And it just feels like he shines brightest when the, you know, beneath the bright lights. So uh, I think this guy's going to be really good. I'm, I can't wait to watch him the rest of the year. And I'm excited for what he could be. Joe, how have you felt so far about Brees Hall? 
Uh, do you think he's getting the touches he needs to be getting? Do you think there's like, I think a lot of us thought the, the carries were going to be more skewed towards Brees than Carter. And it feels at least through two games that Carter appears to get more of the looks in terms of touches, both receiving and, and rushing. Um, no, I think, I think Brees did beat him in terms of carries this week, but, uh, How'd you feel about the two running backs? Brees has to develop just like every other rookie has to develop. Now it's obviously a shorter learning curve with running backs typically, but he still has to develop. And like a lot of people, as soon as we drafted Brees Hall kind of like diminished what Michael Carter was like, he was a sud last year. The guy broke like 14 tackles on every play. Um, so, and with that being said, Michael Carter at this point and people, you know, 700 people in here, probably 800 people are going to hate this even more than that are in here. But Michael Carter between the tackles is a better running back right now. Um, while Brees has the, the higher physical upside, you know, bigger body, he's faster, he has all that stuff. But just in terms of inside zone, you need five yards. It's it's Michael Carter over Brees Hall right now, uh, and he and he broke some runs last week, which was impressive. Um, to me, he still has a high tendency to bounce the run. There was a run to the outside. I think it was a crack toss, um, and he had he had a lane that was very very open up the middle. He probably would have ran for an extra 20, 30 yards. Um, just based on, you know, and, and he should have cut into the inside just based on the leverages that the blockers had on, on the defenders. Uh, and he cut to the outside cause he has a tendency to bounce right now. Um, and I think he just needs to learn that the game, you know, the game is fast, but you still have to slow it down and, and go through the reach properly and not just take everything to the sideline. So I think he's been good. Um, but at the same time he, he's developing cause he didn't have that bounce tendency at, at uh, Iowa state. So it's something that he has to, to build upon, but. Uh, Michael Carter is a stud as well. Like he's a he's a good player. So I ex- I expected it to be more 50-50 um, at the jump, and then Brees will slowly take over. Kevin C comes in and says, "Let's say thank you, Jamal, for Garrett Wilson. Jamal Adams turned into Elijah Vera Tucker and Garrett Wilson. How friggin' cool is that, Green Bean? How great!" Does that trade feel right now? It feels so lopsided. And I, I don't want to make any, you know, light of injury, but the dude gets paid a ton of money and he's out for the season now. Yeah. Uh, and I I just can't help but like sort of like smirk a little bit at the trade itself, not about the injury, but about the trade. Yeah, <clears throat> right. I mean, and the injury makes it more glaring, right? You know, and, and but we know what that feels like. And that, and that sucks um, for the fans and all that stuff. But, you know, Look at the money. Let's look at the money aspect. I mean, we got AVT and Wilson, so two stud players for a guy who really doesn't impact the game all that much. Uh, He's very good. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to revise history and say that I wasn't um, excited to have Jamal Adams and he made good plays and all that shit. But he kind of, in direct contrast to what I said about Quinn and Williams, kind of having a knack to come up big when you need him, Jamal Adams, a lot of his stuff came up on, like, first down, you know, eight minutes in the first quarter, uh, second down, you know, it's like just regular plays. And and those are important too. Don't get me wrong. But when the play, you know, when the game was on the line, it was rarely Jamal Adams that made the big play. And, and I think, you know, getting a, a, a you know, an ABT and a Garrett Wilson for him and saving that $17 million, we have both those guys for less per year than him, I think is how it uh, breaks down. So I think that's the other side of it is, you know, Joe Douglas saw the writing on the wall and said, look, his, his value's at a peak. He's never going to be more valuable than he is right now. I'm going to get whatever I can. I'm going to wait and be patient and all that jazz. He got the deal. He took it. Uh, you know, you know, he, he slammed it home and he and he and he and he used it wisely, in my opinion. I think, uh, you know, um, I think it's it goes down as one of the best moves that we've ever seen a GM of ours make. I mean, you know, very rarely do we see. I mean, Parcells' trade of Keyshawn was real good. We ended up getting 
Uh, I believe John Abraham or Sean Ellis was a part of that. The other one was Chad Pennington, maybe. Um, I think I think is how it broke down. Forgive me, but it's it's two of those first round picks in that draft uh, were because of Keyshawn, and they ended up being good players for a long time for us. But I think this one's a big one, man. And um, you know, now with the injury again, it makes it more glaring because Jamal Adams ain't gonna do shit this year. But even if he was playing, let's not forget. It took Jamal Adams four years to catch his first interception from a starting quarterback in the NFL, and that's real. So, again, I think it's one of the best trades we've ever seen. Matt, how do you feel about this real? trade right now? I don't, I don't know why, but the end that's real was really funny to me. Because um, <laughs> I don't so talk like I'm, that. That's funny. <laughs> and then still, uh, I mean, from the moment it happened, I was blown away with the return. And now when you see – like these assets actually turn into players it feels even that much nicer and i feel like that's rare a lot of times in these trades it's like ooh, you know you got x amount of picks for whichever player and then you know five years down the line you're like oh yeah whatever happened about that trade and you go back and look it up and it's like oh well these guys never did shit well i don't think that's gonna <laughs> be the case with elijah vera tucker and garrett wilson um i think both those guys uh were thought of very highly in uh in the draft i got in there draft classes and i think both can be huge building block pieces and green bean kind of talked about that 2000 draft um that was a huge one and another one too that you could bring up uh was the john abraham trade in 2006 and that draft mm -hmm. class and how important that was to the built success you know of the you know 2008 9 10 11 jets so um I, i'm hoping that we see something similar from the 21 and 22 draft classes joe how you feeling about this trade now Oh, it's amazing. Like, and, and at, at first, yeah, Jamal Adams, like, you know, he's that tough guy, like almost like, like Garrett Wilson. Like he was that guy to, you know, uh, yell into the crowd and pump everybody up on stuff. And then we quickly realized for lack of a better term that he was a douche. Um, so I was happy that, that he was, <laughs> that, that he was, that he was traded. And like, and like Matt said, like you, you, you can get the picks, but you have to capitalize on those picks. Like a lot of these trades, you know, it ends up being a, a bust of a player, but like looking at what JD did with these picks, you know, and obviously they still have to develop, but like at this point, we might take ABT over Jamal Adams just individually and Garrett Wilson over Jamal Adams just individually. Like, so you Correct. made out with two better players mm -hmm. than Jamal Adams, not just the pairing of them being better than Jamal Adams. So um, they absolutely slam dunk trade. And obviously he's hurt now. And listen, do I feel bad for the guy? I don't. I don't care. And I wish that we were playing <laughs> Seattle on, on – a, a, I wish it wasn't on New Year's Day. Like I wish I could go and root against Jamal Adams in – in um in uh, in Seattle, obviously he's injured now, but um yeah, I want to go there so bad and just boo him the entire time because I I hate him <laughs> and the fact that we made it we made it out with better players than him both individually is just is just icing on on the cake because what an asshole. Yeah. Oh, and, and it gave us the funds to re-sign Berrios too. Like you think about the contract, he's got what a seventeen million dollar deal, two first round picks. Figure that's like what ten, eleven, twelve million dollars a year. Uh, and then you get the little bit extra to to bring back Barrios. Look at this. See? Psh, screw Jamal. This is nice. Jamal content. Ugh. That's good. I like that. Right? Jamal content. Jamal content. Uh, so interesting. The whole Robert Sala, Zach Wilson possibly coming back week four kind of a thing. How do you think this team handles the shifting quarterback? Like, because we've we've heard Garrett Wilson say, and maybe he didn't mean much by it, but like you know, Joe Flacco knows how to take a little bit of heat off the ball. He knows how to throw a nice pass. Like he can kind of throw with anticipation. Um, Joe, are you at all 
kind of concerned with with how Zach may look coming back after two months off. Yeah, he might be a little bit rusty, just like other players would be rusty. But I don't, I don't think like anybody in the locker room. I think everybody in the locker room knows what it is. Like you know what Zach Wilson is in terms of being a second round pick. You know the talent he has. You know the the situation the organization's in. I don't think anybody's going to revolt against the the coaching staff if Joe Flacco leads them to another win, and then and then Sam Darnold uh, comes in, and I like Matt with his microphone and all that stuff before. Like he he's healthy. He plays. We're not playing Joe Flacco. It's it's all about Zach Wilson. This franchise. Listen, we can have all these great players, all that stuff. If Zach Wilson doesn't work out. Guess what? You know, square one either with a maybe not necessarily a rookie this next year, depending on the draft spot, the next or the, you know next year or the year after that, or you know a Lamar Jackson something. But we need we need to figure out the answer at quarterback. And I can tell you right now that Joe Flacco is not it. Like they they signed him because they thought he would be a good backup. He can execute the system. He's been a good backup and executing the system at least for one of the two games. Um, but if the staff legitimately thinks that they have a better shot with Flacco, then we should all be very concerned about uh, Zach Wilson's future because that's not that's not good. <laughs> So I want to get your thoughts real quick. Let's just say hypothetically, we go, we're, I don't know, six and 11, seven and what is that? 10. Lamar Jackson is, is sitting out there. There's an option to trade for him. Joe, you making that move? Obviously it all depends on what, on what Zach Wilson does, but, um, no, at this point, at this point, no, I don't, to me personally, I don't love Lamar Jackson as, as a quarterback, just in terms of like paying him the money he wants, plus the capital to trade for him. You're really going to diminish your roster. Um, and while I think he's a, he's a good quarterback, I don't think he's like an elite Herbert, you know, Mahomes type of guy you want to pour that much capital into. And at the end of the day, and I know he doesn't necessarily take huge hits, um, but you have to be worried about, you know, just his, his, how he runs the ball. And he does take more hits than, than a normal quarterback. Um, so no, I want to ride it out with Wilson. I hope Wilson dominates this year. We don't have any questions going forward because these years of, of, you know, from, from, uh, Mark Sanchez to Gino, to Fitz, to McCown, to, to, to Darnold, to Mike, I, I just can't, I can't do it anymore. Um, at some, at a certain point we have to hit, I'm just hoping Zach Wilson's the answer because I can't talk about another quarterback and evaluating his film and what he does. Well, it's like, it's just, let's let Zach work out. Joshua, Kenna Huey, <laughs> Kenna Huey. Uh, sorry, I don't know if I pronounced that right. Uh, he says, "Hey, just got here. What if we put Bryce Hall up, uh, Bryce Hall instead of Joiner in at safety, uh, or even also, uh, also love you guys. Let's fucking jet up, uh, Bryce Hall to safety. I've heard a lot of people say that through like." I don't know if it was training camp or just the off season in general. I, that that whole thing kind of simmered down. I haven't heard anything since like Pinnock was getting a bunch of of snaps there, and now he's not even with us. I I don't know, Greenbean. How are you feeling about Bryce Hall? I know you were uh, a big proponent of him coming out of college. Do you think safety yeah. is a spot he might be able to to slot into in place of Joiner? I mean, I you know, it's, uh, to make the assumption you know, is, is sometimes, you know, it's tough to do, but I think sure. I mean, look, even on the touchdown he gave up, I know Jets fans were like, he fucking sucks. Dude, he was fucking blanket coverage, man. It was a great catch. I mean, he was right mm -hmm. there. I mean, maybe he could have, you know, done a, you know, turned around or, or stuck his hand up or something, but he was blanketed on him. And don't forget the kid had, you know, 19 passes defense last year. So um, he didn't come away with any picks, but he's a good football player and he's, and he's good to have on the team. I'm still just, I feel the same way about Bryce Hall as I always, you know, as I always have. Um, 
But moving him to safety, maybe. I mean, I think that they would have played around with it by now if they thought it was an option. Now, I don't always agree with these guys and what they choose to do. And I'm not there, so I don't pretend to know. But what I think can be done, they don't seem to think the same things as I do. So uh, I would have at least played with it and, and you know, try to keep the best guys that you have in coverage on the field at all times. Bryce Hall's a short tackler. He always has been. Um, so maybe, but uh, they don't seem to be considering it at all. Just like last year, like we were signing safeties off the street, Elijah Riley and fucking, you know, Wild Goose and and uh, Red Wine and all these guys. And we had two guys that we were converting or, well, uh, Sherwood was out, but we had uh, Hamza Nasruddin. He's a safety. You know what I mean? Like just put him in. They didn't want to do it. Like I don't know why. I don't know why. So maybe they see safety having certain requirements that certain that other play that players that we have on a roster don't uh, that aren't you know there aren't they aren't equipped with uh, for what they want. I don't know. I think Bryce Hall would be fine at safety. I think keeping the ball in front of him would be fantastic. Um, but they don't seem to want to play that. Can I say one thing real quick? Not to derail. Yeah, absolutely. Continue. No, I want to no, tell no, you um, on the Jamal Adams contract thing. AVT is 3.6 this year. Uh, Garrett Wilson is 3.7. So that gives us uh, what's that? That's a little over at 7.3 or so. So we got Lake and Tomlinson. He's a five and change. Uh, Berrios. We got all those guys and change our whole free agent class this year and our two first round picks for the same price as Jamal Adams. Just wanted everybody <sighs> to know. So the trade's that much better, everybody. Cap hit wise. Cap hit wise. I am just licking my chops. That sounds so much better than Jamal Adams. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? <laughs> what a fun thing I just did. You now, did a good thing. Part yeah, thank you. That's, a, that's the best I can happy. do, guys. <laughs> Boogie Down Bronx says, what's up with Mims? I think he's oh, so talented, uh, much better than Jeff Smith talent-wise. Matt, how are you feeling about Denzel Mims right now? Oh, still doing this. <laughs> <laughs> like look I, Freeman do I have to say it again do I have to like okay I'll do the routine again I'll do it again I like Denzel Mims I think there's talent there uh it's very hard to what's the line it's very hard to teach 6-3 in the 4-3 speed but for whatever reason it seems like something mentally isn't clicking because there's some mental mistakes and I think it would probably be best for both sides to probably just move on so Mims could get a fresh start somewhere else and that we don't have to keep talking about this how was that Joe, I want to hear your opinion on Mims because I don't know if we've talked much since the, uh, you know, everyone was like, oh, man, Mims had that great last preseason game against third stringers. And like, you know, we haven't really seen anything from him. No snaps, really. What? Uh, how are you feeling about the former second round pick? Yeah, I pretty much just replicate what Matt's Matt's saying. Like, it's not click. Like, and the thing, and the thing with that Giants game too is like, if you watch his snaps in Week One and Two of the preseason, and he runs a fade in, I think it's in Week One or Two, looks completely different in, in Week Three when he was talking about being traded. So, was there something to the coaching staff not, you know, in him not getting effort because he showed a lot more effort in in Week Three? Um, at least at least to me, he looked like he was playing with a lot more urgency when he wanted to be traded. So, is there something there with that? I'm I am so done with talking about it. Like with Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, all these guys, just at this point, I, I just I can't deal with it. Like, get a draft pick um, for the guy. Uh, obviously, it's not going to work out with him. Get get something now. Did I love him coming out of the draft? I gushed over the guy. Like I thought he'd be legit number one. Um, unfortunately, just it just hasn't worked out, and that happens sometimes in the NFL. It's it's a big leap to make, not just physically, but also mentally for some of these guys. And clearly, something might not be clicking with Mims with drops and penalties when he comes in the game. And people talk about the Panthers. Like the, I, I know people talk about the Panthers thing. Like the Panthers, the catch he made in that game, a lot of people bring it up. 
It was a blown coverage. He, did, he didn't really do anything special. So when he came in the game, it was a lot of mistakes and a lot of drops. And um, the coaching staff sees 95% more than we do. So, it, it, you you know, I trust them relatively. And I think it's some of it's been like on, you've, you've seen on the field. So I'm just I'm just so done. I, listen, I had a lot of faith in him too. It's been three years. You know, Connor McDermott has more touchdown catches. Like, let's just let's just face reality. It's not going to work out. Greenbeat, how are you feeling about the former second round pick in Denzel Mims? Okay, I was sneezing. I had to unmute myself. Um, I'm doing this weird thing. I have a weird sneeze, a sneeze going on. It's like I do like five breaths. <gasps> so I don't want to do that live. <laughs> yeah, you guys. Hear it. Um, so uh, I mean, it's like Matt's answer, Ugh. and and then Joe's answer. It's just, I mean, look, I think I am a, I am going to maintain. I've said it probably six hundred times plus, and I maintain it. I'm not going to change this until I see uh, otherwise. I think the coaching staff um, is 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 blowing it with this one. That's my thought. Now that said, uh, just like Joe said, look, we have Garrett Wilson, we have Elijah Moore, we have Berrios, we have Corey Davis. Uh, they like those guys. They're all playing well. All I've ever said is, if the decisions they're making are disagreeable to me, but they're working, I give two shits. I just want it to work. It's when they're making these decisions that I disagree with, like like the last forty years of being a Jets fan, uh, and they don't work. That's when I hate it. You know what I mean? Like we know the old saying, well, the Jets know, you know, that, that, that famous thing when we picked O'Brien over Marino. Well, obviously mm-hmm. the Jets know more than we do. And it's no, they don't. <laughs> they don't know more. We pay closer attention over the years than the Jets. I mean, that's just the way it's been. We've been right more than our organizations have evidenced by our, our uh, performances over the years. Uh, so, again, I mean, look, I love Denzel Mims. Uh, he hasn't done anything to me um, that, look, Ty Johnson was out there in the fourth quarter. The guy has blown more drives uh, than Denzel Mims ever has. So don't fucking tell me that that's the reason he's out. All right. It's something else. That said, it is what it is because what the, the wide receivers they have out there are playing well and doing good things. So leave it. And Jeff Smith clearly uh, showed his, his impact and his value on the fake punt for 16 yards. There it is. Jeff Smith. That's a solidarity. Jeff Smith. He's showing everybody. Eat my fucking Jeff Smith receipt. There it is. One play. I've been waiting two years to use it. And there it is. So, hey, if it works, it works. Dude, maybe Denzel would have ran the wrong route. And we don't get that fourth down conversion. Maybe. We don't win that game. We Just were saying. joking about it. Denzel never makes that catch, clearly. So why not? You know what I mean? <laughs> Chris Bradigan. Drops in 19 months as a frequent flyer member of the channel. Says, after two weeks, I have concerns about the O and D lines, especially the D line. I believe we need to bring more pressure. Three sacks isn't enough. Chris, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, and I really think we're going to start seeing some of the sacks this week for sure because the last two weeks we're facing two of the best rushing teams playing with leads, so they're not you know trying to pass the ball as much at those points in the game. So I think, sir, like circumstance and the teams themselves have kind of lended themselves to not you know having maybe a worse offensive line because they can tee off on us but also not being able to blitz them or rush them because they're running the ball so i I think it's a little bit uh of both there uh joe would you say you're more concerned with the offensive line or the defensive line i'm not necessarily concerned with either it's 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 really early to be concerned um Mm -hmm. and 
like with the defensive line, listen, like at the end of the day, yeah, you know, the, the sacks weren't there necessarily in week one, but like Remy was saying, like we did pressure Lamar Jackson. At the end of the day, we forced him to the lowest rushing total the Ravens have had since Lamar Jackson's been a starting quarterback in the NFL. So the defensive line wasn't very bad week week one. Um, the def- the only thing that was bad week one was Lamarcus Joyner and a little bit of Jordan Whitehead that led to some big to, uh, to some big scores. So week one wasn't they weren't concerned at all. If anything, they were strength. And then week two, again, you're playing one of the best offensive lines in the league, one of the better running games in the league with a quarterback who's running play action um, and, and dumping the ball off quick either over the middle, attacking the linebackers or hitting screens. It's not it's not very conducive to to, to the stats. Um, but the defensive line is going to be fine. And the offensive line was concerning week one. Uh, they did much better this week. Obviously, Fant let up some pressures, but you're playing Miles Garrett, who right now in the NFL is the best end uh, to me. You know, him and TJ Watt, but TJ Watt's injured, so it's going to happen. But the interior was fine, and Max Mitchell, um, and it's his keyword relative to expectations, he's been solid. Now, is he a star- is he a solid starting tackle? Absolutely not. But for a fourth round rookie playing against the Ravens and playing against you know J- J- Javion Clowney and Miles Garrett, um, he's been good. So I'm not concerned really with either. Guys, you're just tuning into the stream. We got about a half hour left. Make sure you hit that like button if you're enjoying what you're seeing. If you'd like to get entered into our t-shirt giveaway, all you got to do is retweet the stream over on Jetstalk247 Twitter. Retweet that and get yourself qualified for our t-shirt giveaway at the end of the stream. And if you're watching this after the fact, all you got to do is drop a comment below this video and you'll get entered into next week's t-shirt giveaway. Ah. <sighs> Anything that we haven't covered so far that you guys have felt we need to talk about? Uh, we did memes with Kai Beckton. We're going to go bring that back now? Like, what, what, what the hell else? Darnold? Should they have kept Darnold after all this? Yeah. Like, what else do we want to beat to death? Well, let's, let, let's talk a little bit about yeah. the tackle situation. I, I Like, in general, like, future-wise. Not so much, like, immediately this season. Fant... I don't know if they're going to extend. I think they would have extended him already at this point if they wanted to hold on to him. Brown, we have under contract for next year, and obviously Becton going into his fourth year, we have to decide on his fifth-year option this offseason. I don't see the Jets exercising that option. For me, I'm looking at free agency possibly, and if there's some way Orlando Brown shakes free, I'm throwing the bag at him. I don't care what it costs to get him. Former Baltimore Raven plays the left and the right side. That's the versatility Joe Douglas loves. If you can snatch him away from Kansas City, I think I'd do it. Joe, how are you feeling about the uh, the tackle position maybe moving forward into the future? Well, Max Mitchell's here. Beckton's going to be here because of his because of his contract. You're going to give him another run at it. And Dwayne Brown is pretty much guaranteed his second year. So we might be looking at the tackles next year, and it's a big competition um now could you move some money around figure out some some ways to manipulate the cap to bring in a big free agent or if there's a draft or if if there is another a Quanu or something like that uh in the draft that falls to you then you know maybe you do it but um it's it's gonna be interesting to see exactly what happens because they have a lot of guys who are kind of here they're they're already here for next year minus minus Fenton he's been our most a consistent offensive lineman, at least for the last couple of years in terms of that tackle. You know, obviously there's been a lot of moving and shaking at that position. So um, they have to figure it out. They've been, they've invested a lot there and it's not necessarily solved. Uh, Orlando Brown, I don't know if I'm as enthusiastic about him. I know he could be a little bit of a diva and I think he's mm-hmm. going to get paid for more of his name than his actual play. I think he's a little bit overrated. So I'm not personally willing to throw the bag at him. Um, I think there's some players you can get uh, for a little bit less. Well, obviously, I'm not going to be able to put a name to it because I haven't really looked at the tackle class, but I think he would be an overpay. So, 
Green Bean, what are you feeling uh, tackle-wise moving into the future here? Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I would uh, – I mean, wait, so Dwayne Brown's contract is guaranteed next year too? Did you say that, Joe? Is that accurate? Yeah, it, it, most, most, if not all of it, he's, he's going to be he's gonna be here next year. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, uh, yeah, that gives me the fuzzies. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel I'm, I'm kind of with you, Ryan, on the on uh, on Fant. I think that they were in discussions uh, during last season. They were rumored that they were already discussing a contract extension, uh, and it didn't materialize yet. So I, I find it hard to believe that it will. Um, so Fant may, may be gone. Now, Max Mitchell, if he ends up being lights out, I mean, let's say by the end of the year, he's a stud. I mean, you know, I saw some comments before, uh, you know, reminding us that right now he's PFF's highest graded rookie tackle. And that's above Icky and Neil and all the guys, you know, taken above him. Uh, yeah. So that, I mean, and, and that is what it is. You know, PFF is PFF and you take it with a grain of salt, right? It's very useful. Um, but, uh, you know, so maybe we don't need it. Maybe we don't need anybody. Maybe maybe we like just like you said we we don't do the fifth year option, but we got Becton healing. He's he's a backup. We have uh, Connor McDermott. He's around here, and we got Dwayne Brown on the left. We got Max Mitchell. Maybe these are our guys. I mean, who the hell knows? Uh, I don't know. I would I would think that uh, the Dwayne Brown thing. I mean, right now, look, we're we're not seeing him, so it's hard to to get all, you know, um, positive about that. But um, if he's going to be here next year, if he's already paid, then more than likely he's going to end up playing. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I guess we got to watch this season and see where it goes before we can really make uh, So I'm not the be- I'm not the best at reading mm-hmm. contracts, Green Bean, but the way I'm reading it is it's $11.5 million cap hit and 6.3 of it's dead. So you'd only be saving, you know, you'd be paying him more to leave uh, than you would for him to stay. So I, I, at that point, do you just keep him for five, six million dollars? You know, for that, ca- like he's, he's most likely going to be here, unless obviously they can manipulate it. And uh, again, transparently, I'm not, I'm pretty terrible at reading contracts, but that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, uh, I saw someone comment right. in there that it was like a one million dollar dead cap hit if they designate him a post June 1st cut. But I don't know why you do that kind of to, to Joe's uh, comment as well. Like, if you're going to have to pay him $5 million, you know, because if you designate him a June 1st cut, you're still, you're, you're basically pushing half of his cap hit to the following year. Like why not keep him for the five or $6 million that his contract is have that stability. Uh, I mean, obviously the guy played in the pro bowl last year. I, I think, you know, just getting him back healthy is, is at least a net plus for us, Matt, how you feeling about the tackle position moving forward? Um, yeah, like I'm, I don't want to say concerned, but I'm kind of curious with how it plays out. Um, as you guys kind of alluded to earlier, like Max Mitchell and Mackay Becton are going to be here because of just how their their contracts are situated. Um, but I do think that Fant is probably on his way out just because I think if he was staying, then something would have been signed by now. And yeah, I mean, I didn't realize that with Dwayne Brown. I know he had a second year, but I didn't realize how much of a... Um, a cap hit or dead cap it would be in order to move on from him. Um, so I, I think they would probably be wise to look to continue to add, but maybe that's through the draft and not signing a big time free agent like uh, Orlando Brown. As much as I like Orlando Brown, I think he's a good player, but uh, I think you're probably looking in the draft at that point. I see Slugo uh, making a comment in the chat that I, I do want to touch on. Josh Allen. Coming out of college, I think, scared a lot of people. Uh, it's obviously why he was not one of the the first two quarterbacks taken. But, 
Dude, I'm watching the Bills play football games right now, and I think they have been the best team the last two years. They should have won the Super Bowl last year if it were not for a coin toss. Um, uh, Joe, how do you feel about Josh Allen being in this division for the long term? I'm worried about the Jets before I'm worried about Josh Allen. Like, mm-hmm. let's just let's just compete ourselves. You know, like at, at the end of the day, like let's let's get to the playoffs and all that stuff. We can worry about the Super Bowl and Josh Allen, you know, down the road. Hopefully by the time we're we're really up, they 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 screw up their contracts and like that and he's not supported. But it's never great to have the one of the best, if not the best quarterback in your in your division. But um we're used to that. We had Tom Brady and uh I love Josh, you know, Josh Allen's a great player. I don't necessarily hate him. I, I do hate him because of my bills, but nonetheless, he's not Tom Brady. We've had to deal with that, so it could be worse. Egg drop says, let's go Jets, baby. Been a diehard fan since 2003. Um, so at least you got to see some of the some of the good stuff, right? Like 2004, we had a nice little run. Or no, it was 2002. 2002 was the year we had the, the Green Bay game and the Indianapolis game back-to-back. Uh, 04 was good, too. Yeah, 04 we got. Was that the, the Steelers missed field goal game? Is that that year yeah. or was that 2005? No, it was right around there. The Chargers on Saturday night in the first round. Drew Brees and Ladanian Tomlinson. That's right. Eric Barton almost killing us. Yeah. I loved LT. He might be my favorite running back that I've seen like since growing up. Like he was he was just a special one because I didn't really have any bad feelings towards the Chargers. I thought the jerseys looked kind of cool, like from afar. And it's like, wow, that, you know, that dude knows how to shake and bake and you know watching i feel like watching curtis martin like curtis was fun to watch but tomlinson was just such a different kind of runner i don't know fascinating and then we got him for like a year <laughs> i was like yeah let's go <laughs> almost felt like Favre. not really but kind of how much time we got left 20 minutes not too shabby there we're doing Hanging great in there yeah. I'm trying to see what they got going on in the chat. Becton will beat Joey of, Chestnut of, next of, year in the Nathan's fighting, Hot Dog Contest. A lot of yeah, fighting in the chat, I've noticed. It's hectic in there, right? Like, I, don't like I, know, being, I know. They're being idiots, some of them. I There's have a brawl. Remove, I've had to remove like 600 comments so far. Bounce them. Yeah, they're intense. That's what happens. You know, it's the law of averages. The more people you get, the more disagreements we're going to see. The more bozos come out. That's it. That's it. Ah, we like all the dum-dums. There are, there are dummies. Yeah, that's right. They're ours. That's right, man. Jets forever. We're you looking got- at you. Love you. Right. <laughs> Look, <laughs> no. you got the people. <laughs> Calling him out. Right. Calling him out. Nah, he's, he's only, he's not wrong all the time. No. See? But you got the you're like he's right a lot, man. You know, even no, if he's, he's, not, him, he's not dumb. He's right a lot. I'll say he's that. Not. He's he's just firm on his on his. Thoughts. He is. He's firm on yeah. his stance. He doesn't go with the you know. He doesn't jump on the boat with everybody. He goes, nope, that's not the boat. And everybody goes, come on, it's the boat. Look, everybody's saying it's the boat. <laughs> no, nope, not the boat. I'm telling you, it's not the boat. I'm not going on it. Uh, Jeremy you know, Rucker, it's a thousand yard receiving tight end. Yeah, yeah. There's a good uh, one. maybe. That's a, good, that's a Jets forever. Right, it's, who knows? Yeah. Close. He it's going to be incredible when he gets it after you know two games of nothing. Yeah, yeah. he had the one exactly. one pass is thrown his direction. Couldn't reel it so in. I'll, I'll I'll throw something out there since you're, you're searching for a topic, Ryan. How how confident yeah. are you guys actually in Sauce mm-hmm. versus a guy in Jamar Chase? Because 
He's played, he's played um, obviously, you know, Amari Cooper. He got, there was some plays he got beat up a little bit. And and the sure. Ravens, um, he played relatively well. But you go back and watch, he did get beat once or twice by Mark Andrews. He just wasn't targeted. So now you're going against, you know, Jamar Chase. You're looking at Deontay Johnson. You're looking at Tyree Kill the next couple of weeks. Are we legitimately confident in him being, you know, that number one, like right now? Because last week we were all trying to, like, justify um, him not getting that touchdown. Oh, he wasn't really beat, you know, his man coverage, but it did look like it was his laps. So mm-hmm. um, do we think he's that guy, you know, right now? Um, because I have my reservations. I think he's going to be a great player, but I still think he needs to uh, develop a little bit more than people realize. He, to me, um, it's just technique-wise, at the line of scrimmage, he tends to get on his heels a little bit, a lot of jumping at the line of scrimmage. And versus guys like Diggs, if you're a little, if you're on your heels, you're leaning back, uh, good luck. So um, there's been some flaws that people haven't noticed. With that being said, I'm very high. I have a sauce jersey. I have a sauce chain. So I don't think I hate him. I wanted him probably, probably before most people. Um, mm-hmm. But nonetheless, he has to develop st- uh, still. But with that being said, Faith Level, Sauce, Jamar Chase, Hill, Deontay Johnson, all these studs coming up. So I'm very – I would like to see him on Chase. I'm not as confident with Hill. I think Hill might be <sighs> – he might be the best receiver in the game right now. He's just—he's so friggin' fast. You just can't teach that speed. I love the sauce chain. It's a great sauce chain. Just, just before anybody oh. says I hate sauce, I don't hate sauce. I'm just throwing it out there. All right, this is a fifteen-dollar <laughs> chain. I dedicated a lot of my time to getting that little hot sauce bottle on the chain, but just throwing it out there. <laughs> I, I think he'll have. I think he's going to struggle with uh, with Tyreek. I think some of those quicker, shiftier wide receivers, almost like Revis, kind of had trouble with like Stevie Johnson and some of like those quick guys like i think Diggs could give him some trouble um but chase i don't know if i put him with those guys just yet like he like at least like from a you know talent wise he's there but not i don't know i just i feel like sauce could stick with that type of receiver better than someone like hill green bean how do you feel about yeah. sauce and, and the matchups coming up with these wide receivers I agree with what what you said. Let's let's not forget, man. As great as Revis was, now I'm not saying Sauce is Revis, but as great as Revis was, whenever he ended up on Welker, Welker beat him. Welker beat him all the time. You know why? It just wasn't the type of receiver that Revis shut down. Those quick, shifty slot guys, Revis. You know, whenever it ended up that he, you know, he fell to that responsibility, he was getting beat. Uh, he was good with the, you know, the Randy Mosses, the um, Andre Johnsons, those, those big guys, Des Bryant, Revis, all over those guys. Uh, shut them down, you know, Megatron, all those guys, shut them down. Uh, and I think Sauce, being a big-bodied cornerback, might struggle with those guys too. Let's not forget, man, uh, in addition to Tyree Kill, if you're like, all right, well, don't put him on Tyree Kill, send DJ Reed over there. He's a little bit, you know, skill set's a little bit, you know, uh, more appropriately matched. Then you got Jalen Waddle. You're going to stick him on Waddle? Waddle's, Waddle's like same mold, man. It's like those, mm-hmm. those guys are going to be problematic. Um, you might need to get creative, stick, uh, stick um, sauce on uh, Jaziki or something like that. I, I don't know. Uh, that said, I'm very confident in Sauce Gardner. I think um, you know what we see is a very, very talented young kid who works his ass off and is and is going 100 percent at all times. Uh, I think that um, that's kind of what we've brought in. All these young guys that we have, they're you know they're, it's different than what we've seen. Instead of these fat, lazy bums. You know, the, the Muhammad Wilkerson's and just, you know, I don't know. They just, it's like, you know, we get these guys and they just suck. You know, these, these guys seem like, you know, the, the ethic is there as well. And so in addition to being talented, you know, Vernon Goldstein, it's on and on and on and on and on. Um, 
So I think if you match that up, you match up, you know, truly, you know, like tr really legit talent with effort and, and work ethic. I think it, you get there. I think you get there. Now we might see it take a year for him to get there. Don't forget Revis did have three picks his rookie year. I think it was, but he wasn't Revis until like year three. He wasn't Revis. You know what I mean? He was good. He was a good cornerback. He was solid. He was very good. But when, you know, then he became Revis and it was a whole different thing. And that's, Dude, there's nothing wrong with it taking that time. So he, we might be watching Sauce learn some hard lessons the next couple of weeks. Jamar Chase is going to be a tough one, but I think Jamar Chase is probably more in his wheelhouse than Waddle and and Hill, quite frankly. Matt, how are you feeling about Sauce so far, and and what do you think about the receivers coming up on the uh, in the next few games? Yeah, love him. Um, I think he has a good shot against Jamar Chase. Um, I agree that I think like. People have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddled circled as players who might be mismatches. And, you know, they're going to be mismatches for a lot of players, not just, you know, someone like Sauce Gardner, who, like, yes, he's taken fourth overall and expectations are really high and uh, he's played well so far, but he's also a rookie and playing corner in the NFL is extremely, extremely difficult. So there's going to be games where he struggles. He's eventually going to give up a touchdown. He's eventually going to let up some big plays. It's just, gonna happen but uh i think he'll be i think he'll be fine um i'm confident in in him and really i i know most of the attention goes to sauce and for good reason but i i love dj reed too i just think he is such a professional like he's a, a younger veteran but just the way he plays the game i think he plays it right um i like his aggressiveness coming down and his tackling skills um so yeah tigo drops in Giving us a topic to talk about as I start to spin my wheels here at almost 10 o'clock at night. Uh, Tigo says, who's the player that is currently on the roster that play uh, and playing a large role that you would like to punt to the moon and why is it Joyner? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to see Joyner on the field quite so much anymore. Like as much as I thought the Jets could move on from Ashton Davis uh, or, you know, I understand why they held on to him, the talent level and whatnot. Joiner to me feels like the one I would very much like to see not on the field and like roll the dice with with Ashton Davis on the upside. Um, we don't have an answer for it, but I I would love to try and find a center after this year. For me, McGovern is he's not bad. He's a top half of the league center. He's played top ten center, you know, at times in his career, and he just for whatever reason he just always kind of irked me. Really after he walked past Zach Wilson when he was like laying on the ground last year. And I thought the Jets were going to pull the trigger on a new center this offseason or this past offseason. Um, so I guess I'll go a little outside the box and I'll, I'll say McGovern kind of frustrates me a little bit. Uh, Joe, I'll throw it to you first. Is there a player on this team right now that you'd like to maybe not see on the field quite so much? Yeah, um... Just and and this isn't necessarily just to combat it. Like I, I think McGovern actually gets some unfair hate from from just Jets fans in general. Like the first mm -hmm. game he was pretty good, and this game they were super quick to pull the trigger on throwing flags for like the illegal offensive lineman down the field. There's a play mm -hmm. where where ABT is three yards down the field, much farther than than McGovern ever was, and they didn't throw the flags. So like it was just weird with that. So mm -hmm. and people will let that like cloud their judgment of other other sixty plays he played, but he did, he actually didn't play bad this game. Um, but nonetheless, it's when you look at like every starting position on the roster, cause Tigo said like a guy who plays like significant reps, every player is either like young and developing or like a solid mm -hmm. star. But the only player who is bad and has no upside is Joyner. So it, it is Joyner. And mm -hmm. um, 
all of the streamers and all of the YouTubers have been saying like for, for months, it's like Joyner hasn't played safety since 2018. And he wasn't like, he was probably overrated by people in general, even then. So we knew we need to do something at safety. And now we're kind of, we're reaping the results of not having a really great safety group. Joyner should not be a starter. He hasn't been a starter at that position in four years. The fact that we relied on him is, is kind of trash. Like if he was a backup, fine, I get it. Um, but you cannot rely on a guy who hasn't played safety in, in almost four years to be your starter. It was just a bad decision. So um, it's a little, and I, I agree with a lot of what Joe Douglas has done, but that's a little thing against him, the, the safety position this year. Greenbean, is there a player on this roster right now that's kind of frustrating you and you wouldn't like to see maybe on the field so much? <clears throat> well, you know what? Uh, I, I agree with Joyner, right? And, and we can talk about him. But I also think... Uh, it's a shame that Bryce Huff is kind of being pushed to the side for Jacob Martin mm -hmm. right now. Jacob Martin is, is, uh, grading out very, very poorly. He's not playing well at all. And, uh, and Bryce Huff, you know, he's an exciting young player, you know? So, you know, I think, um, I don't, I don't know if they're going to do it. I mean, I mean, they guaranteed two years worth of money to him. Um, I'm not, it's not the most money in the world, but it's, but it's locked in for two years. So that's probably why he's out there. And I like Jacob Martin. Uh, I'm not going to try to revise my opinion on him. I like him. I like the signing. I thought it was a good depth signing, <clears throat> rotational. He's got a high motor and all that. But again, I just hate seeing Bright, Bryce Huff off of the field. I, I'd rather see him have a little bit more, you know, I'd like to see him on the field, you know. Um, so I think that's kind of one that I might start looking at. Like, all right, Jacob, if, you know, if we're getting to week four and you're still playing like this, Bryce, Bryce is coming up. That's something I would I would consider. Oh, Matt. Ty Johnson. I'm sorry, dude. Oh, <laughs> did you see the third down play? Or I think it was the third down play. There was like Flacco throws it and it got tipped at the line of scrimmage. But I was like, why were what you going with Ty Johnson anyway? Come oh, on. Shit. <laughs> I have to thank Iowa for that one. In the thesis. I'm surprised he didn't say Tom. Like, oh, my God. Now, Matt, I'm not I'm not going to say shit. I want to take anything from you. It's your turn. <laughs> uh, but I'm just, I can't believe I didn't say that. Jacob Martin. Holy shit. Ty Johnson. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think you guys hit on pretty much anyone that uh, that I was thinking. Ty Johnson's a good one. I wasn't thinking of that. Joiner is the obvious one. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, who who else could there? Is it too too early to say Quincy Williams yet? I know he has. That was that was the other one I was thinking of. Yep. I, I okay. it's not like I really like Quincy too. It's just the the you know the stupid penalties. That's the late hit out of bounds. Uh, in the Eagles game, it, granted that's preseason, and then it's the holding penalty or the pass interference, you know, this week, and it's just man, it just it always feels like he's kind of getting in his own way. Like the talent's there. Yeah. One one side note to make on Johnson, just to to ease everybody a little bit on that one, and and he has been been playing bad. Uh, he is a very very finesse player, and he's we just played two very very physical teams who don't really match up well with his strengths and weaknesses. So I think when we start to play teams who spread it out a little bit more, and he's used, he's able to use his pass rush moves in space, he will be a little bit better than he has been because he's been disappointing. But you'll you'll start to see some uptick against some some more finesse teams because he is in no way a power guy. And you're playing the Browns and the Ravens, it's just not a good matchup for him. But I agree with Greenbean in the sense that I, I don't think that Bryce Huff should be inactive for two games, regardless of Jacob Martin plays or not. I see Conklin in the chat too. That's an interesting one. I thought Conklin was going to be, you know, not necessarily stud, but I thought he was definitely going to be like a go-to guy. And it just feels like, you know, dropping the ball twice. That third down challenge, I thought we had that. I can't believe that got overturned, especially when they wound up challenging like the sauce, you know, touchdown a few plays later. I was like, oh, that one clearly like dropped in front of the ref, 
but they're gonna challenge that one and they're gonna like overturn ours that looked like a catch. Joe, what did you how'd you feel about like the that third down catch and Conklin in general? It it had to be the fact that he didn't control it completely through the ground because we can clearly see the the, the green strip between his foot and the sideline. So it had to be that he didn't control it through the ground. But um overall, like listen, I, at the end of the day. He actually, he blocked well last game. Um, he made a, a few nice catches, you know, the one over the middle, uh, stretched mm-hmm. out, guy dripped all over him. And then he had a check down where it was only like three, you know, three or four yards. We had a guy dripped all over him. Now, of course, like we were talking about, like Jets sign guys and they suck. He had two fumbles in his entire career, four years, five years, whatever it was, two games of the Jets, <laughs> he has two fumbles. Like it's just, it's just the law of averages are going to say he's going to stop fumbling. Um, but overall, last game minus the fumble, which is hard to say because it was a fumble. Um, and the drop where he was clearly in a situation where he wanted to, to run with the ball uh, quickly because of the situation they were in, which was disappointing. But um, he's not going to fumble as much as as he as he does. You, uh, I will stand firmly behind Conklin's. It's still a good tight end. It's it's this is not going to last. He's going to be we're going to be happy with him by the end of the year. Okay. Yeah, it's tough he, for these he, guys to shake off the Jets curse, man. It is like, what the hell's happening? My fingers. I, I, I have no strength can't in my, my hands. <laughs> right? Where am I? Can't feel my hands here. I got depth perception issues. I don't even know what the fuck's going on in the stadium. Weird. I feel like Conklin has the most upside of the players that might that we might be a little bit lower on right now. Like Corey Davis, I thought has played relatively well through two games. You know, he had the one throw that might have been like a little bit behind him. Uh, still should have caught it in the Ravens game, but you know, we saw it early last year too. They went to Corey Davis They you know, they're doing it again early this year. Now I love that they got Garrett Wilson involved. It felt like after week one, everyone was like, feed Garrett, feed Garrett, get him more on the field. And then it was just like, we're going to make a conscious effort. Like this dude's getting the ball nonstop. And I think that is going to open up more opportunities for Elijah Moore because I, I mean, you just look at every time Moore is targeted He's just making a beautiful toe tap right on the sideline. Like nothing like crazy, crazy flash yet, but I'm just waiting for like the cork to fly off and him to really like mm-hmm. bust loose. Joe, how you feeling about Elijah Moore this year? Yeah, again, I think like we're all so high on Garrett Wilson. Like we're, we're kind of forgetting about what we've felt about Elijah Moore. And he's had nothing to, to kind of like lose our respect. He's been, he's been fine. Um, week one, he was open plenty that obviously the offensive line just didn't afford Flacco time to hit him this week. Not as much, but still solid. Um, he's going to have the game where he has 120 yards and we're all gushing about Elijah Moore again. It's, it's, it's going to happen. He's a very, very good player. And then even like Corey, like Corey Davis, listen, like he's, he's a number three for us right now. And he's a very good number three. Understand that Nelson Aguilar is making just as much money as, as he is. And yes, the week one, you can't drop that ball, especially because he dropped a lot of balls last year. But if you watch him rep for rep, uh, in his week one game, he was actually really good in week one minus the drop, which you can't have. Uh, but nonetheless, he's he's a he's still a good receiver. But again, the thing with Jets fans is like Zach Wilson wasn't completing a lot of passes. He's dropping passes, so it's going to like multiply because he didn't get a lot down the field. So when you do get it down the field and he drops it, it just multiplies, and we hate the guy. He's still he's still a, a solid player. Does he need to cut out the drops? A hundred percent. He didn't have a ton of drops in Tennessee. He had some drops, but not as much as with the Jets. So you hope it it averages it out. Ab Lab Studios says, will Cincinnati lean on Mixon in this game? I think uh, you'll see them definitely have success with Mixon, especially in the screen game. The Jets yep. don't have the linebackers right now. Now, Quan Alexander has been a great pickup for the Jets. That dude can lay a shot. And it feels like we have, you know, two heat-seeking missiles between him and Quincy Williams. Now, I still question the, you know, the screen game stuff. And Matt, I saw you shaking your head. How are you feeling about Mixon this upcoming week? Yeah, um... I think 
In a weird way, I'm almost more concerned with him than Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, which sounds crazy mm -hmm. to say, but I just feel like they could just kill the Jets with dumping it off to him and kind of running it. Because we saw in the second half of the, the game, like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt were just unstoppable in the second half of this game. And I just worry that the defense will, you know, hang around for a little bit and then just get tired and kind of fall off in the second half here and get beaten down by, you know, the Joe Mixon. Uh, you know, running the ball. Matt, I'm going to have you go over to the Twitter sphere, see how many people have retweeted this stream. Green Bean, I'm going to ask you to go to last week's show, pick out five people. And uh, Joe, why don't you go to your most recent video and let's pick five people from your most recent video over on Jets X Factor. Uh, and someone's going to qualify for a t-shirt tonight. Ooh. I thought you were making a pick from the chat. I know Jets Forever hated me the last time I was in Green Beans chat, but this one I'm not. I'm not as bad. So maybe me and Jets Forever are starting to mend our mend our differences here. That's okay. You know, you know, we're building like bridges. This. Yeah, exactly. You know, we win, and now we're friends again. You now, so all right. Let's, <laughs> it's nice to see. This is nice. Warm. <laughs> it's warm in here. I like this. Let's see here. All right. What did you say to do? All right. All right. Jets. Okay. Here we go. All right. How many am I supposed to be picking, Ryan? I forgot. I forgot what you said. We'll go. We'll go five each. Um, Snowball made me laugh. He says Chubby Hunter, so he's gonna get qualified. It's my show. I can make the rules. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Matt. You got some people. Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. Uh, Fire we'll go away. William McMillan. Okay. Scroll scroll around a little bit. Uh, Mark Ferraro. All right. Uh, we'll go Nick Dalbora. Okay. Uh, we'll go Joey Jets. Love it. And then JD. Green bean, give me five. Uh, Kobe Joseph, K-O-B-I-E. Uh, Ed Vargas. Andrew Gabrielson. You said Mark Ferraro already? You had him? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's do these two guys. Then. Never Image M Entertainment. Never image? Yeah, never at one word. Never image entertainment. Yeah. And okay. uh, that's Chris Donardo, I think. Uh, and then Jersey Metal Mike. Mm. There you go. All right, Joe. Give me five from your channel. Uh, we got BC. All right. We got Louis Pineda. Yeah, All right. we got Caden, Caden Valerio, Valeri something. I don't know, let's put Caden. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I definitely spelt that wrong because it's probably a C, not a K, because I'm an idiot. Valeri, no, I don't know. Uh, we got D-Mars and uh, Pug Life with a, with a Y instead of an I. And one more? Or did you pick BC? Was, you picked BC. That was five, yep. Yeah. Okay. Numbers are hard. 
All right, let's play a little bit of odds or evens here. Three, two, one. Oh, I didn't know I'm much. Okay, this is Three, this is new. So here we go. That's a ten. <laughs> That's an even number. I'll be better next rep. I promise. There we go. Gone, Caden. Gone, Pug Life. Gone. Three, two, one. One, two, three, four, nine. That's an odd. Snowball, gone. Joey Jets, gone. Andrew Gibrilson, gone. Louis Pineda, gone. We're down to four. Mark Ferrero, Kobe Joseph, Jersey Metal Mike, DMARS. Three, two, one. Oh, shit. Is that thumb up, Joe? I don't know. On your yeah, no, sure. on your other hand. On your other hand. No. One, two, no. three. No, th uh, no. That's three. Okay. Four. No, I don't know. Joe, do you have three or four up? I need to know. We're doing three. No. We're going with three. I got three. Green beans got Pollution. Four. That's Pollution. 10 plus eleven. All right, we got eleven. That's an odd number. Mark Ferrero, gone. Jersey Metal Mike, gone. We're down to Kobe Joseph or D Mars. Chat, give us a number. Three, two, one. Two, four, six, eight, nine. 10 plus whatever the chat is and a five we got an odd Ooh, kobe joseph gone d mars gonna be the winner for tonight's t-shirt giveaway d mars if you're watching uh hit me up on uh social media i will get your <laughs> knob craft uh sorry um i will get you <laughs> i'll get you a shirt to send it hit me up on uh social media what am I trying to say? Words are hard tonight. Boys and girls, it's been a lot of fun hanging with you guys. Let's go around our panel, get some closing thoughts. Matt, any last words for our panel? Uh, victory Monday and Tuesday was fun. I hope we get to do it again next week. Um, how about the defensive line shows up and plays well and more Garrett Wilson feeding, please. Green Bean, any last words for our panel? Right, I'll second that. Our defensive line has to be better than last in the NFL in sacks. Uh, the podcast is out now. If you want to see Browns fans cry, check it out. You're going to like it. Good. Green Bean Jets fan on YouTube. Joe, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Let us know where we could find you and what else you got going on. Uh, Jorby31 on Twitter uh, just did a three-hour film review of the uh jets and browns game that should be posted tomorrow looking forward to talking to you guys when the jets are four and one i get back from italy uh gonna intercept matt's package the garrett wilson burn it and i'm looking forward oh. to getting some recommend <laughs> recommendations from, from uh from green bean about barbecue so i love uh, it boys and girls thank you so much for flying with us tonight it's been a lot of fun we're getting a win against the Bengals this week it's happening two and one boys and girls this is jets talk signing off J-E-T-S!